Hello, Friday the 13th listeners. Co-host Andrew here. Uh, If you listened to our last episode, you know that we are on our summer hiatus. Yes, that means we're taking the month of August to recharge and just re-energize and get ready for spooky season coming up. So new episodes coming in September. But for now, we're going to bring you a rewind episode. I chose this one. Uh, In this episode, uh, we titled it Sleep is Terrifying. We talk about the name. Nancy Chronicles on Nightmare on Elm Street. So that's uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 1, uh, 3, and The New Nightmare. Uh, And then in our horror in real life, we talk all about all like just sleep and how hard it is as you get an adult. And, you know, I talk about a lot about my personal struggles with sleep, uh, with sleepwalking. I've even sleep showered <laughs> for, for all you crazy people out there. Um, and then I, I the reason I picked this is because I have a new development Um, and I'm hoping that anyone can maybe help me understand what's going on here. So I don't know when you're trying to fall asleep and you enter that one moment where you kind of know that you're finally, you know, falling asleep, you're in between kind of the, uh, trying to fall asleep and you're falling asleep. I've been having these crazy visions. I don't know if they're necessarily dreams or what, because it's right as I'm falling asleep. Um, it, it actually happened one time when we were on our new England trip, Maddie can tell you all about how I wailed in the middle of the night. Um, but, uh, I've been having these reoccurring dreams with a little girl in a red sweatshirt first time she showed up um i had a vision that i was walking down our hallway at our house here and she ran past me and into our spare bedroom and disappeared and then the next time that i saw her was right as i was falling asleep i heard um some thumping kind of coming down our hallway and i knew that michael was still asleep next to me because i could hear his sleep noises like you know that kind of like light snoring and then i turned to look at him and she was getting into the bed with me uh both times i've been able to wake myself up but it's just been really really spooky so i thought that this was the perfect episode to spend my friday rewind on so um there's that for you if you have any suggestions or if you want to talk about it hit us up on social media um so that being said i'm going to bring you from january 24th 2021 episode 48 sleep is terrifying andrew i have to tell you about my dream i had last night i remember it so vividly like it was real sounds like it uh, is really sticking with you what was it about there was um there was this man Oh God! I, no. I see where this is no, going. No, 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 no! Hear me out. He wore a he wore a dark brown hat. Okay, go on. And, and he, he had this uh, this striped sweater on, and it was like he had a glove of of knives for fingers. Knives? Yeah, and and he kept saying that it was God. And he, anyway, he he was chasing me around some boiler room, and you can tell this guy had lived a life because he had these scars. Sounds terrifying. Well, you would think so, and I. I no, this is just because of the pandemic or whatever, but, you know, I was kind of into it. Okay, that's where we shut it down. It's episode 48, Sleep is Terrifying. Candyman. 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 Be afraid. Be very afraid. We have some bad hombres here, and we're going to get them out. Bing, bing, bong, bong, bing, bing, bing. I love China. Hi, I'm Jackie 
COVID-19 pandemic and medical experts say they are seeing an increase of cases when it comes to anxiety and stress, which is affecting a lot of people's sleep. But they do say that during these times of distress, it's still important to make sleep a top priority. Wake up, sleepyheads. It's time for another episode of Friday the 13th. My name is Maddie. And I am Andrew. And we're here with episode 48 of Friday the 13th Horror Podcast, the podcast where we talk about horror in real life and in the movies from an LGBTQ plus some other things perspective. And today we're talking about sleep. So don't fall asleep. Yeah. Actually, keep, keep stay up, get the caffeine. Eat your eat your instant coffee and chase it with some Diet Coke. Thank you. And don't go to sleep. In fact, never sleep again. <laughs> See what I did there? Because um, we've got some really interesting things to talk about today for sure. Um, and we're pairing this topic with what else? A Nightmare on Elm Street. Doing yeah. the Nancy's dream sequence. So yeah. one, three, and new nightmare. My personal favorites of the franchise, if I do say so myself. They're the best. Yeah. They really are. There's some um, other good ones in there. These are just my favorite. Without a doubt. So, so we're going to talk about that later. Um, we're going to start talking um, with some certified terrifying items of this last half of January. Um, so we've been keeping a keen eye on the news. We know that, of course, that horror is not just an escape. It's a mirror to what happens in our real world. And for the second half of January, here's some stuff that we found terrifying. Uh, as of this week, when we were recording, uh, over 400,000 Americans have died from COVID-19 with a forecast of 500,000 total deaths in less than a month by mid-February. Only 100,000 more to go, you know? Reach for the sky, America. I mean, Andrew, you you work in marketing in healthcare. Correct. You've been around, you know, not the hospital per se, but you've had to go into the office a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are things feeling like? I mean, you have a key into this that other people don't. Let's yeah. Talk, give us some news here. Um, I will say that I was on a call with some... Um, with some oncologists this week, which I know that that's not part of Those are cancer COVID. doctors, people. <laughs> um, but they were talking about kind of what the um, the ICU looks like and yeah. like how things are going. And to them, with the onslaught of the vaccine, which we'll talk about here in a second, sure. they did seem to think that maybe this was the start of the end. Um, the the hospital that I work for currently, or hospital system, um, the major hospital downtown, um, we only have about 50 people left in the ICU at this point, which is it's pretty way good, down it like, from anyway. like, I think at one point we were north of 200. Oh my God. Um, so there is some hope out there. Um, I actually get my second vaccine shot on Tuesday. So in just a few days from now. Um, so that is, you know, exciting. But also I, I was talking to some people this week, some coworkers that 
have gotten the vaccine. And it's it's really weird. And I, I, I don't, you know, I don't unnotice my privilege in getting the vaccine this early. But it's also very strange to be some of the first people to be vaccinated, hmm. not from a science perspective, but from a sociological perspective. Because yeah, I bet. I don't know what to do. <laughs> like the sure. rule, the rules have not been reestablished like we've been told through this whole thing. Do do I can I go to restaurants now? It, it, my, sure. my my corn team is not vaccinated, so can I spread it to them? Like there's a lot of unanswered right. questions that you feel that you feel like, "Oh, maybe I have some freedom now." But then you also feel like, "What is that? What is the price of that freedom?" And yeah. you don't know what to do with it. It's really sure. strange. I don't know how to really how to explain it. I but. I think people are going to be feeling that as we continue to wade into this mystery of vaccines and yeah, speaking, speaking of, of which, <laughs> Vaccines in Chicago, where, of course, both Andrew and I are, are massively under-resourced, with only 34,000 doses coming into the city in this last week. Uh, the city has the capacity, just so you understand the context here, to administer 174,000 per week. Uh, city officials advise the vaccine will not be widely available to sort of just like normal folks until the end of May, which, friends, that is five Frickin' months from now, um, that's a lot. So, you know, thinking about that, it's something that, you know, it's on my mind, you yeah. know? And, you know, I'm lucky. I am a healthy, sort of just like normal 38-year-old person. You know, I don't have any pre... pre you know what I'm trying to say? I can't think of the word right now. Pre-existing conditions. conditions. <laughs> PECs um, that, I can, that, I, that I know of, at least. Um, but that's a long time to wait. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, also, on that same call, some of the physicians were asking about, um, well, can our... Because cancer patients are really at, at risk. Yeah, of um, course. And so they were asking if they're, you know, if, they're, if their patients can get vaccinated. Mm. And... The way that the state is running it, and I don't know where everyone else lives, but in Illinois, it's really not rolling out very, like... It's um, bad. It's not smooth. Let's just say that. Yeah, I mean, like, so. like literally, Indiana is doing better than us. So <laughs> go, Indiana. Anyways, <laughs> vaccines, it's, it's tough right now. We all know that. According to a CNN poll, 75% of Republicans do not believe that Joe Biden won the presidential election in 2020. As compared to only 1% of Democrats, I'm surprised it's even 1%, um, only effectively 19% of Republicans believe that Biden won legitimately. Awesome. And all that he has to say about it is that we should all work together. It's, it <laughs> is, I got to tell you, out of all the stuff that, that is going on right now, that's one of the crazier things that we actually do have to face is because we're not going to get, you can't just get rid of people. You you. I don't know what the answer is. I have no <laughs> idea how to move forward, but that's fucking terrifying. Anyways, for our final item in the terrifying corner, uh, it is uh, that over 961,000 Americans filed for unemployment last week. Total number of unemployed Americans is now at about 15 million people. And that is pretty fucking scary, everybody. That's really all that we have to say about it. I think I think you get the terrifying nature of all of that. 
But let's just hope that life gets a little less scary as we move on. Yeah, so let's talk about sleep. Um, you know, with the onslaught of the pandemic, I can guarantee oh, yeah. uh, over the course of last year that everyone's been dealing with either probably uh, not being able to get enough sleep because of stress or maybe oh, yeah. getting more sleep because they're unemployed or, you know, whatever. Plus, like, <laughs> I think about how many people are using way more, like, substances. Oh, yeah. Like, you're, you're, I mean, we all have. Like, yeah. I was drinking a lot more. I was doing this, doing that. Like, Cannabis is probably used is probably on the rise. CB, I'm sure just like straight CBD is too, you know? Melatonin. Andrew has finally <laughs> quit using heroin, which is good, Ooh, finally. Kick to the God. habit, finally. It was tough, but he got over <laughs> it. Um, but yeah, so we, we've got a lot to talk about with sleep, actually. Yeah. And um, this is a good thing, I think, specifically for us to talk about, too, because I've never been a good sleeper. That's just not oh, interesting. who I am. But Andrew, you're... You're a whole other kind of special when it comes to sleep. Yeah. Um, so why don't you start us off and start just give us some of what you got? Yeah, my my relationship with sleep is really uh, I can remember all the way going back to my childhood is where I I fought bouts of insomnia as ch as a child. Huh. Um, my coping mechanism was I would I taught myself how to say the ABCs backwards so that I could. Oh God, that's actually so hard to do. <laughs> Z Y X W V U T S R Q P O N. You're actually freaking me out right now. E D C B A. Satan be gone. That freaks me out. Um, no, I had to have like coping mechanisms that would help me sleep because I have one of those brains that if you don't. Um, if you don't like fixate on one thing, it'll, just go it'll fixate everywhere. Yeah, sure. And I can't sleep. Did did your mom um, ever get you help with insomnia? Just we wondering. Were, we were too poor for that. No, but I mean, like, did she ever like like Did you ever like take a pill that she no, gave you or no, anything no. like that? I, I I remember I remember having counseling, but not for yeah. that specifically. Sure. sure. Um, but no, it was kind of just like self care. I get essentially. it. Essentially. Yeah. Um, and then as an adult, you know, we've talked about it on um, the Halloween episode, I think a year and a half ago now, yeah. um, that I did suffer from late stage sleepwalking. Um, I was not a sleepwalker when I was a kid. Somnambulism. Um, I, I developed sleepwalking as an adult just a couple of years ago. And um, we had a period of time where it was really bad, where I would... Uh, there was a time where I slept showered. Um, there was a time where I woke up in the basement. Um, it was pretty bad. Uh, thankfully, that's really subsided. Which, that is just wild. I know. <laughs> it's. It's. I mean, I, I. I never experienced it firsthand with you. I mean, I was around when stuff happened, but like, it's still wild to think about because it's never happened to me. Like, I can't even imagine what it must be like to suddenly wake up, and you're not. In your bed. You're not in your... I mean, like, I've woken up at, like, you know, a hookup house before, and I'm like, wait a minute, where am I? But I've never woken up in, like, a basement. Yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, that is terrifying. Yeah, and then the only other thing that I suffer from is uh, sleep paralysis. That's something oh. that does persist into oh. my adult life, which... It gives me the shivers right now, thinking about it. People that don't know sleep paralysis is kind of... The best way to describe it is your brain wakes up before your body does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, like, I'm conscious. I can see around me, but I can't move. Wow. Um, thankfully, um, apart from bad dreams, I've never had... Uh, where I see things because I know a lot of people with um, sleep paralysis report that they see shadow people or that they feel a presence in the room. Oh, with them. Andrew, no. <laughs> we have some. No. We have some actually some listener stories if uh, you want to go into that really quick. Oh my god, yeah, let's do it. Um, so on the topic of you know sleep paralysis and sleepwalking and all that stuff, we had a couple people on our social medias write in with their personal story. Um, Peter um, from Twitter. He wrote, uh, I think I was about 12 when this happened. 
happened and I was asleep. So this is how it was told to me. Every now and then I would walk, sleepwalk around the house and say weird things. But this night it really freaked out his father. Um, I opened the door to my parents' room and walked up to my dad's side of the bed. And, and I said, he's here to see you. My dad asked who I replied, God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Okay. So people out there, obviously Andrew and I make notes for every show and we, yeah. and we just like, we use them the entire time. I haven't read any of Andrew's stuff and I usually do. I had to walk away. Like that is, <laughs> that is fucking terrifying, Peter. Also, uh, Peter, I love your name. I love the name Peter. If my kid said that to me, yeah, <laughs> I would immediately, it's one of those things like where I watch a, a scary movie like, and there's like ghosts in the house going crazy. And I'm like, get, go get a hotel. Like yeah. right now, go to the best hotel you deserve it. That's what I would do in that case. But I would get my kid another room. Um, our friend Dr. Horror also wrote in. The doctor. When I was a child, I used to sleepwalk all the time. My mother's favorite story was about the time she woke up and I was standing eerily at the foot of the stairs outside of her bedroom. She asked, what are you doing? I mumbled, all those people. She sighed and said, just go back to bed, please. I screamed, but what about all those people? She firmly said, go to bed. I just said, okay, and walked away. <laughs> I have zero recollection of this. I also have chills up my back from that. <laughs> Thank you, good doctor, for your for your story. And I love the name Dr. Horror, too. You're welcome. Thank and then you. also our friend Kels, who is obsessed with Kate Siegel. And what up, Kels? Um, she said, when I was little, a.k.a. way before Viva Vendetta had even come out, I used to see a man with the V mask standing at the end of my bed during every sleep plurality assist oh my god i also got chills yeah. from that um, this is all really <laughs> chilling to think about um kels i want you to tell us more on twitter do you have you seen this guy since yeah is he in your dreams still like do you think he's real we, we, i actually want to know more about that so as soon as you hear this get on the tweets um and tell us twitter us twitter us Tw tweet us twatter us, us if you want even <laughs> um those were great yeah so what are there I, any more from listeners no from listeners but Damn. i i had one thing happen to me this week and i decided to write it down oh please do um i i am a very vivid dreamer i'm not sure about you how, how are your dreams my dreams are uh as you might imagine my dreams are very wacky okay they're, they're very if they are tied to the like the real world the kind of like a normal sequence it's usually something really boring. Like I'm like cooking or I'm at work or like something like that. Um, usually dreams for me um, happen in like sequences. They will be recurring over a period of nights. Oh, interesting. And like continuation or repeat? Eh, kind of like a repeat thing okay. almost. But sometimes a continuation. And it's often, it's very often for me centered around like a killer is there chasing me or something like that. <laughs> And um, I have to like, I, I can't remember them, so it's hard to tell you, but I'm just thinking about broader themes. Like I have to like gather people together. I have to run. Mm -hmm. I have to like get away from this person. I will say I, I have been having a lot of COVID dreams lately where we're literally like, there. it's like a killer is after me, but I it's like me getting COVID is like the thing I'm trying to run away from. Have you had the dream where you forget your mask yet? Yes. Oh, oh without a doubt. <laughs> definitely oh, it's, and it's terrifying. Um but the the COVID the COVID stuff is freaky because you you wake up thinking that you actually did something wrong. Yeah. Or yeah. like you forgot to do something or, and then you're really worried about 
And then you have to remind yourself, I'm actually okay. Yeah. It's a lot. So this week after we decided on our topic, I actually had a night where I had a very vivid dream. And when I woke up, I decided to write it down. Uh, the podcast God smiled yes. on you. Um, so I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a little peek into my my brain and my dream. And I have not heard this yet, folks. Um, so this is legit. I, I, you know, forgive some of the grammar or some, you know, because I literally wrote this down. Don't apologize for this shit. When I woke up. Give it so, to us. I was following a girl who was part of a group of people that were slaves to another, a richer group of people running a place like a modern kingdom. Um, the elite were getting ready for their annual celebration, which included mass, a massive feast and celebration. My people were enlisted at to be the help at this feast. And the implication was that if we messed up even once, we were sent to the pit. Girl, we work in class in our <laughs> dreams, too, for God's sake. Um, a new boy is introduced in, as a stranger, but he's, he... And oh, keep in mind, this was not a first-person dream. This was like me watching something oh, interesting. kind of a dream. Okay. Um, but he seduces the girl and suggests that they go swimming in a pond that is also the remains of an old abandoned village that was long killed off by the elite group. In swimming in the pool, an energy is absorbed into the young couple and they gain the power to control the thoughts of others. They amass, uh, um, I'm sorry, through a bright light emitting from their eyes. This leads them to sharing the pond with their friends and they amass a small army. They come up with a plan to take over the upcoming celebration and use their new abilities to take over and kill the lead families. They facilitate their plan to some success, making some people sacrifice themselves in various ways. But how much of this energy leaves them not being themselves? And can they control their new power? And what is the intent of the boy who lured them into the pond? And what really lies within the pit? This is really interesting. I wonder how much of this is tied to you getting the vaccine. I don't know. Have you thought about that angle? No, not at all, actually. I think it's I think it's interesting. I wonder if like the energy is like the vaccine. Oh. And you're sort of wondering like kind of what you were talking about earlier. Oh, that is interesting. You I know what I mean? Like that, yeah. I don't know. Let's well Isn't that kind of a crazy that I would dream that Andrew also like <laughs> listening to you like I was reading along as you were as you were saying it, of course. I was thinking to myself, this is so unlike Andrew. <laughs> This is like a dream I would never imagine you would have, but it's here very we are. Strange. But yeah, that um, was my dream earlier this week. I can't wait to get drunk after we, because we like to drink after we do these episodes, not during anymore like we used to <laughs> in the first 10 episodes. Um, but after, I would like to talk more about this dream. Yeah. I also had a dream right after where I poured a milkshake on someone and then apologized for it. I, oh, I'm that, so sorry. That was, that was I'm so sorry. <laughs> no, it was like, no, the dream was, is I was being harassed in line at an ice cream place. And so I dumped my milkshake on this guy. And then I apologized to the workers and told them I would clean it up. Don't worry. This sounds, that sounds like, I wonder if that is some, um, remember you told, you told the story long ago about the guy in Dunkin' Donuts? Yeah. I wonder if it was about that guy secretly in the pit of your stomach. You know what I mean? Go back and learn about my harassment at a Dunkin' Donuts. Right, girl? Uh, I think you've got some more stuff here about sleep disorders, right? Yeah. So um, also sleep disorders, that, thank God I don't suffer from this, but night terrors. What um, are those exactly? So night terrors are like the next level dreams to where you are being um, physically, your your dreams are manifesting in a physical way. So you're like thrashing and you're you know, oh, like that kind of I see. It's, it's like Nightmare on Elm Street kind of. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. I mean, we've all had that dream where we think we're either slipping or falling yeah. and we kind of jolt awake. Sure. That's like a minor version of a night terror. I fall in my dreams all the time. Me too. Not I, a surprise, I well. frankly. I, I, I have a recurring dream where I slip off of a, uh, what do you call those things? A water slide? 
where I'd like go up on the side and just go up. What are the dreams that you have? Anyway, um, as many as 10. So I'm going to tell you a little story about a UK guy. So this fact comes from. And friends, that means United Kingdom. Okay. Um, That's what UK means. As many as 10% of children in the UK suffer from Pavor Nocturnus. Pavor Nocturnus. Night terrors. Um, Most grow out of it, but at least 2% of adults carry on having terrible, vivid dreams. So this is the story of Thomas. Uh, Thomas is from Neath in South Wales. I hope I pronounced all that correct. You got it. Um, he actually... Although um, in Welsh, that could be like Nate. I could actually see it. Oh, maybe. Something like that. UK listeners, let us know. Um, so basically what had happened is um, Thomas had some issues that he took tablets for depression um and that kind of suppressed um some of the more vivid dreams that he would have so as you, well you mean like prozac or yeah, something yeah, yeah. Basically. but he was going on a trip with his wife um of she's 59 she's 57 um and he would didn't want to take the antidepressants because it made him impotent so they were going on like a trip oh, like he wanted to like he wanted to have sex yeah with his yeah. wife uh him and his wife had been together for almost 40 years they were getting ready to celebrate their 40th wedding anniversary um, and the first place that they stopped, they were in an RV, and the first place that they stopped is, you know, was a place that they were kind of harassed by some, what they call, um, and this is totally a UK term, um, but what do they call them? Boy, ra- like, boy racers? Yeah, boy racers, which I, mean, I can only imagine are like streetcar, like they, yeah, skidding out. They, like they sound kind of like stuff. it's like a bunch of pikeys, like kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, it's like the one movie that we, we Eden watched. Lake. Yeah. Uh, Eden Lake, yeah. yeah. Um, so they were harassed by those, so they decided to move on, and so they went to their next spot. And um, unfortunately, Thomas had a horrible dream where they were being harassed by these boy racers, and he accidentally strangled his wife to death. Um, it's kind of a crazy story, but he was arrested. Um, he was actually the one that called the police, and he oh said, "Oh my I, god, I don't oh know my what god. I don't know what happened, but I might have killed my wife." Um, he went to trial and actually was acquitted, um, just based upon all of the people that came forward and basically said, "No, he's like a good guy." They had a cruise planned for their fortieth wedding anniversary. Like he was not, he did not premeditate to kill his wife. Like this was an accident based on his sleep patterns um so it's just kind of a crazy story that you could actually carry out murder in your sleep that is terrifyingly sad also also there's a name down there do you see it with the d and the p yeah i want you to try try pronouncing that um so the the chief crown prosecutor for the cps dyfid powies (laughs) daffeth It's Daffith is his name, Daffith. <laughs> oh, God. How do we know that? From Little Britain, Daffith. Daffith. Oh, God. Daffith Thomas. <laughs> got it. Um, that is a really sad story. It is. Um, it, 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 looking at some of the notes you have here, the judge in that case told him, you are a decent man and a devoted husband. I strongly suspect that you may well be feeling a sense of guilt. In the eyes of the law, you bear no responsibility. You are discharged. Yeah. So apparently this, uh, oh my God, if this did happen, but, uh, you know, we're hopeful that he got some help so that he would not, you know, and that was just an accident, a tragic accident. I, I, if I'm being honest, if that, if that, if I was that dude and I did that on accident, obviously I would, I would probably just kill myself. Oh. I, I mean, I mean, could you imagine I know, I having know. to live with that? I and know. also like your, your spouse is gone. My God. Anyway, Maddie, I think you have some. Uh, non me or oh, non murder. Some, some other, some more depressing shit to <laughs> yeah, talk about. Welcome yeah. to the Maddie department. Um, I'm fun at parties, so when it's after COVID, invite me. 
Um, first thing, just a quick thing on COVID. Uh, I did find an interesting study being done uh, in the Atlantic. This was published in December of that last terrible year that we had. Um, interesting study being done now, studies, there's like eight of them going on, of the efficacy of melatonin blocking the effectiveness of COVID-19. And there are some researchers who think that melatonin could be like a very serious blocking mechanism to you getting infected with COVID. Okay, so it's not, it's it's getting infected, not managing symptoms. Correct. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So they're, they're doing these, you know, studies right now to see what's going on. Um, they sound incredibly interesting. You know, it's a, it's kind of late in the game, yeah. you know, with the vaccines here. But you know, who knows what that what that could mean for the future? Um, so yeah, that's in the Atlantic. You you should have a look at that later if you think about it. I was also thinking in the last week about, you know, I, I'm not a great sleeper. Um, I recently had a um, just before uh, Christmas, I had a pretty bad allergic reaction. Um, to some some supplements that I was taking, um, and I got hives, and, and Andrew saw them; they were awful. Yeah. Um, but like when the when the reaction really first kicked in, um, I had insomnia for two days. Like I yeah. I could not sleep, and it was it was bad. And I I have a job where I I I have to be in front of people, even virtually, and I can't live like that. So yeah. it was it was a pretty bad week. Um, it's gone now. Thank God I figured out what was going on. But it just got me thinking about like, because I was also doing like massive Googling, um, as you might figure. Which is never good. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it, didn't, it didn't help me any. I can tell you that. But I was thinking about how ancient cultures might have slept and what that would have been like. What um, do you mean? Well, what I mean is like, think about us right now in our modern lives. I mean, literally, there are screens all day long. Yeah. And, and there's also like electric lights now and, more than ever for yeah, sure yeah and there's there's we have we can play music whenever we want and you know outside my window there are constantly cars going by and you know stuff there's always noise and sound ancient people didn't have they that. didn't have that yeah. i mean they lived in largely a very quiet world it was a demon haunted world as carl sagan might say but it was also <laughs> very quiet right it was yeah. just it was quiet so I grew up. I, did you have a? Are you a, like a sound sleeper? Like a? Do you need a? Do sound? I have to have something? Yeah. Yes, I and am too. Let me tell you why on that too. Not to go off on a tangent, but my mom. Uh, we all had clock radios. Like yeah. clock radios were like a thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, us. I had one. Like yeah. I mean, we love it. I still love my clock radio. One hundred six point seven, the peak, girl. <laughs> uh, but my mom loved WLS radio on AM. I forget the. I can't remember what. Eight ninety. Eight ninety in Chicago. Is this uh, what's her face? Uh, my mom. No, no, no. The. Delilah. Oh, Delilah was on there too. <laughs> yes, it's true. But mom especially loved listening to Art Bell at oh, night okay. when she yeah, went yeah. to sleep. So we were we would she, we would both listen to Art Bell in our own bedrooms, of course, and then talk about it the next day. Um, so in other words, blah 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 blah. We listen to talk radio going to sleep. Now I listen to I will say, Hey Google, sleep sounds thunderstorm. I do thunderstorm. That's what I call it pet too all the time. And if not that, I might put on um like the Guardian Long Reads podcast and put a sleep timer on. That helps me go to sleep too. Um but thinking about ancient people and how they would have slept. How on earth do you figure that out? Yeah. Well, there were really smart people that had an idea. There are three cultures in the world right now that are accessible. So in other words, you don't have to like go deep into the Amazon for them, right? Um, the Hazda, who live in northern Tanzania, the Tsimani, who live in Bolivia, and the San, who live in Namibia. 
Um, these cultures don't use electricity. They don't have electric lights. They don't have phones. They don't have computers. They don't have fucking Netflix. So it's kind of like the perfect people to get an idea of what it might be sure. like. Sure, yeah, that makes right? sense. Yeah. So they they <laughs> followed 94 people from these three different societies. Um, and it was really interesting what the things that they found. Um, these people, they never nap. They don't set a sleep schedule around when it's light out. Typically, they went to bed about three hours and 20 minutes after sunset. And then they woke up before sunrise. And this was typical for all three of these very different groups. And they all slept through the night. And these are societies who are about, you know, like I said, about as close as you can get to our ancestors. And scientists found that despite the geographic and cultural differences, there was a pattern. They were relatively healthy, and they all got only about 6.4 hours of sleep on an average day, ranging from 5.7 to 7.1 hours. Um, and then they slept like an hour more when it was either colder or like really hot. Right. Mm, okay. So what's interesting about that is that it doesn't fit like the eight the hours standard, of sleep yeah. that we all think we need to go with. Um, and these are people too who like they normally sleep outside or they sleep in like rudimentary huts kind of thing. It's sure. not like they're sleeping in a, a big bedroom. That got me thinking about how we sleep. Uh -huh. And like, you know, I recently just bought, and you just bought stuff from Brooklyn, and right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we got you? it for we got it for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they were just my clients at my job. Actually, they're nice. wonderful people. Their whole social <laughs> their team. sheets are great. This is not an endorsement. <laughs> Seriously, I mean, <laughs> if you... Brooklyn, and if if you want to sponsor us, we're into it. And <laughs> yeah. hi to the team. I know you guys. Um, but also too. It just got me thinking about how much we do spend. I just bought like a new duvet and a new down comforter and sheets and whatever else. We've really doubled down on our comfort. Uh, comforts. Oh, yes. Yeah. But it's not cheap, as you oh, well know. No. I mean, how much are Brooklyn and sheets? If you uh, buy them? Like if you get like a full set, probably like 500 bucks. That, I mean, that's that's a lot of money yeah. for fabric, yeah. right? I mean, yeah, it's yeah. good, but we, I mean, come on. So how much are we spending to enhance our sleep? There was a Fast Company article that came out mid-2019, which was interesting to read also because it's pre-pandemic. Everything feels like an ancient tome. $70 billion worldwide market for sleep aids. Wow. And only 60% of that is for medication. And so, only 40% of that is the MyPillow guy. Yeah, <laughs> right. And th that bitch is out now. Um, and that is projected to be at $102 billion for that market size by 2023. It's also kind of part of the $4.2 trillion wellness industry. Um, but none of that is working, obviously, right? Like, I mean, if we could just buy stuff to solve our sleep, then it would be great. Um, so it's just something to think about, too. Like, how are we going to move forward? What is a tenable solution for sleep? Because think about it. Your screens aren't going away. Yeah. They're going to get bigger. Sometimes they're going to get smaller on your body, but there's going to be more of them in your life. And so how do we start to sleep? Well, that got me thinking a little bit more. Do you see people? This is what happens to me because it got me thinking, wait a minute. I'm a gay person. Do I sleep differently than straight people? <laughs> And it's actually true, I do. Oh, and God. there are studies that have been done. There's a lot of studies on sleep, people. This is what we're going with here. But there's a lot of studies on sleep about, you know, obviously we know that gay people, well, I should say LGB, LGB people, we're leaving T out of this particular one because the study didn't focus on transgender people Got specifically. Um, they, they, they're, they're doing a separate study on transgender folks, but in 2018, there was a, a study in the journal of psychology of sexual orientation and gender diversity, analyze a pretty broad range of data from 15,000 participants, 29 years old on average, all identifying as L G or B. 
Um, and th- th- we know from other studies that gay people in general are going to experience poorer health. They are at high. We are at higher risk for cancer, for heart disease, for pretty much you name it, diabetes, all of it, because it's no surprise to anybody that when you are an oppressed person or when you have experienced trauma from your parents or from family or from society or whatever, you're going to find ways to counteract that, which might be drinking or might be whatever, but you're going to experience depression on a higher rate, all of that kind of shit, right? And all of that goes back to sleep because then you can't fucking sleep. Yeah. So blah, 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 blah. I don't want to like, you know, kill a horse over this, but... In that study, they're really thinking oh, about, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> Just let me go with it. But anyways, like they're really thinking about what if we really do spend time on on getting gay people to learn how to sleep better? Yeah. I mean, like literally think about if there was a campaign, like every other campaign you've seen, like quit smoking campaign for queer people or stop drinking so much or whatever. Um, stop sucking so much dick, super deek. <laughs> um, but like. I kind of like the idea of that, like an idea of a full kind of wellness campaign for LGBT people where like sleep is like prioritized. Imagine. Yeah, that's an, it's an interesting concept to think about. You know, um, you know, I think, you know, the impact that it could have. We didn't really look this up, and this is kind of our our lack of due diligence on this. What one, did but, we do? Um, you know, we probably should have looked up like good Whoa. ways to like. Sleep? Like, get yourself to go to sleep. But you know what, though, Andrew? Do it's you, different for every person. And do, like, yeah. think about the ones that you do. For me, I yeah. will tell you that to get a good night's sleep, <laughs> I'll just break it down, like, very easily. Yeah. I have to work out. I have to watch something dumb before okay. I go to bed. <laughs> like, this is when, before I go to bed, is always when I turn on that stupid reality show Which or stupid one? game show oh, I see. of the, the moment. Anything, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Like, think, for a lot of people, it's probably like The Housewives sure. or like a Bravo show in general. That one Christmas one that we were watching. Yeah, 12 yeah. Dates of Christmas, like yeah. whatever, so that I don't think about the craziness of zone the world. Out. Yeah, I get that. Um, and I have to work out um, at least to exhaust myself a little yeah. bit because – and. and in normal life before the pandemic, before I think that times. we got a lot of workout done yeah. just from commuting sure. because we, you know, walk to the train station, walk to work, walk home, blah, blah, blah. Now it's, I have to get a workout in. So yeah. I exhaust myself a little bit and I also have to give myself time to go to sleep. Sure. Like I can't expect that when I lay my head down, I'm going to go to sleep immediately. Yeah. I, I do think that you should, you know, have a charger of your phone that you can't see your phone yeah. because then you can't see people I'm, texting or anything I'm really like that. bad about that. So put your screens away. Sometimes I feel like reading a book sometimes helps me go to sleep. Um, yeah. But I'm a sleepy, I'm a sleepy reader. So. I mean, uh, for me, um, sound helps. We discussed that. Um, reading can help. I'm going to be really honest. You have an overbrain. Oh, like, it's yeah. like overactive. My, my brain like, never stops thinking. Yeah. If I'm being honest, and let's just get maybe a little TMI here, but look, we all do it. <laughs> One thing that really helps me go to sleep is masturbation. It just does. That works for you. And you know what? Like, it, it, it tires me out. There you go. Now you know. That's your workout. And uh, I mean, I, I work out earlier in the day. Um, and it also does kind of 
take you on a little escape. I mean, it's the truth of it. So like it it exhausts your brain and your body in such a way where you do feel like a, a, it's so funny to talk about, like a release. (laughs) I mean, honestly, whatever helps. And then then I just feel a little bit drowsy after. Thank you. Now everybody knows. Yes. The, the what common, I do before I go to bed. The common, uh, what is it? The common thing that men get sleepy after sex. It's true. It's <laughs> it, it, honestly, it is true. It is, it is funny as, as you become a, a waking sexual adult who's not in like your 20s anymore. How much you, and no, no offense to people in their 20s. Okay. I'm just saying we're a lot older right now. <laughs> um, it is amazing how you do start to realize though, like, oh yeah, all that shit's true. Like, yeah. Without a doubt. Like, <laughs> yeah. Without a doubt, the fucking shit's true. Anyway. Anywho, that's sleep. You know a little bit more about both of our habits now. Anyways, like that was an oddly personal episode. You know, I think people like that about us, though. Um, anyways, we're going to take a break. I need some water. I need some water. Some wah wah. You need so some wah for your dry road. And we're going to come back with everyone's favorite segment What You've Been Watching. Biatch. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby to get ourselves a treat. Welcome back. It's time for What You Been Watching, Bitch. What have you been watching, comma, bitch, question mark? I'm glad you asked. I have been watching a few things. Oh, my dear. And I see that we both have one. In common. In common. We'll do that that one at the end. Yeah, I'm a little pissed at you about it. So we'll talk about that when we get to it. Why are you pissed at me about it? Because you got a screener and you didn't tell me. I could have saved twenty dollars. Well, no, when you when you hear it though, you're not gonna like it. Okay. Anyway. Also it was one of those screeners why I just I had the link. Yeah. But it was actually you know how I got that? It was one of the people that we follow on Twitter, I can't remember, but he said like the day before, it was like a link that he put out. Um, keep going though. You're okay. not, trust me, you got a better experience. Okay. <laughs> big time. All right. So my first one is on Disney plus, uh, keep in mind, I've only seen the first two episodes. Okay. So, you know, I'm saving my full review until it's done. Uh, and I will preface that I'm not a huge Marvel person. Yeah. I I've seen all of the Avengers series. Um, I, I think it's fun, but it's not like my end all. You know, you're not a comic book person. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah. I mean, I liked them, but it's yeah, not just sure. not like my life. Yeah. I guess. Um, I watched, um, that being said, Scarlet Witch, who's played by the, oh my God. Tony Collette. No, no, no. Who are the sisters from Full House? I don't remember. <laughs> um, you, the twins? Yeah. Oh, the... Olsen. I, the, Elizabeth, the Olsen twins. It's played by Elizabeth Olsen. Mary Kate and Ashley Olsen. Yeah, but the Scarlet Witch is played by Elizabeth Olsen. She is my favorite character of okay. that universe. Okay. So Scarlet Witch. Um, this new one just premiered. is called WandaVision. It's on Disney+. Plus. It's part of the Marvel Universe. Uh, they released the first two episodes. Uh, I think there's two more now, but I haven't watched them yet just because I haven't had time. Okay. Um, it's really interesting. It opens like a kind of like a I Love Lucy or Bewitched. where they're like in 50s it's all black and white interesting the first two episodes are completely in black and white it's played like just like a sitcom but there are little hints here and there that lead you to believe that there is something else going on um and it's basically they her and her husband vision who is from the marvel universe oh um, wanda vision Vision. i get it and her name is wanda okay um they move to a new neighborhood in the 50s and they're trying to like keep up with the joneses type of thing yeah but it's so funny 
because you're thinking this is a Marvel show. It's going to be action packed. It's going to be crazy. The first two episodes are like literally two episodes of like a 50s sitcom. But there's like little things that they that they are like, no, there's more beyond the surface. Did you like it? I loved it. I thought it was really fun. Um, If you don't know Marvel, can you watch it? Yeah, you can. I don't think you're going to get the full. Okay. Like what you think it makes sense. Um, Really fun is that Emma Caulfield shows up in the second episode. Okay. Anya from Buffy. Uh, I have not seen her in anything in a long time, and I really like her as an actress. The bitch is back. I I was really appreciative of that. But yeah, if you have Disney Plus and you're, you know, if you're Marvel adjacent, I think you'd really like this. WandaVision on Disney Plus. You You heard it here first, folks. My first one is a documentary series called Surviving Death on Netflix. This sounds right up your alley. I got to tell you, it's really good. It, it is about near-death experiences, and it's about mediums. It's about ghosts. Um, and it's really, it's, it's highly interesting. It's also, um, we had a medium on the show. And yeah. <laughs> um, we still have the episode up. We thought about taking it down, not going to lie, because we discovered after we recorded this person, it was a really great lesson for us that this person has beliefs that we really don't like. And I don't think our listeners like either, but it is what it is. Anyways, on this show, there are there's a lot of different mediums that, that they talk to. And they go into sessions, like you watch these things happen, and like you watch, you see some shit happen in this shit. Oh, interesting. And there are also some things that happen in this documentary series. It's not meant to be scary. That scared the fuck out of me. Huh. Like scary shit. Happens. I have never even heard of this. Is I, it new? I, I had neither. It was just like on my Netflix, you know, huh. home screen or whatever. So it it is new. I just don't know exactly how new it is. I think it's brand new. Um, but it's it's really good. Um. So it's and it's also more than that. It's a it's a show about like grief, right? And so many of us are experiencing grief in so many ways right now. I, I don't know. I, I could go on about it, but I highly recommend it. If you know, if you're not scared of thinking about death, and I'm really not. I don't think horror fans in general are. Like, highly suggest giving this giving this a watch. I think it's four total episodes. Um, cool. You know, it can be a little long, but it's really interesting. And it was better watching these mediums than. Yeah. The one that we have. Um, my second one is for all you people out there that are looking for kind of that like stupid show. Like think Pretty Little Liars, Desperate Housewives, okay. like that kind of a show. Um, it's called Tiny Pretty Things. And it is basically uh, at dance. Yeah. It right? takes place at a Chicago, which I, I did not know really? going into um, filmed here in Chicago. There's actual locations in the huh. show. Um, it's basically about a ballerina school, um, for like high school aged kids, I would say. Um, like, so I would say probably like 14 to 18 type of, type of age range. Um, and in the first episode, and this isn't spoiling anything because it's in the trailer, uh, a ballerina gets pushed off of the roof. Um, and the rest of the season is all about trying to figure out. Damn. Who pushed her off the roof and why? That's some black swan shit. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's. This show is so dumb. <laughs> so it's so dumb, but it's also like it scratches the lizard brain part huh, of you that yeah. you're like, this is so dumb, but I want to watch another episode type sure, of thing. Yeah. So there's lots of actually like really good dance in it. Um, the acting is it's, it's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, 
this, I mean, it's not so a surprise, really. I just want to tell you about one little part, and I won't say any of the characters' names or anything, so it won't be a spoiler, but there is a part in the show where they are driving in a convertible, and they get into kind of a, not an accident, but like get run off the road type yeah. of thing, and one of the girls gets thrown from the convertible <laughs> and is just like stands up like she's just fine. <laughs> And I was like, what is happening? I mean, you know, may, may we all be that lucky one day. Um, <laughs> but it's got a lot of really wow. good um, LGBTQIA. Um, ad, it's got a lot of those kind of characters sure. in it. Yeah. There's actual gay sex in it. Really? There's like nudity. Is the gay sex hot? It actually kind of is. Okay. So yeah. do you see butt? Yeah. Oh, there's tons of butts. Um, there's it, it for a Netflix <sighs> show. It surprised me because there's a lot mm. of nudity and a lot of like sex in it. Everyone um, knows I love butts. Yeah. So if you, if that's a show that you need in your life, I, I would suggest Tiny Pretty Things. And hey, we've been saying our DMs are open for butts. We've been saying <laughs> you have that. Been saying that. <laughs> yes, I have. Anyways, my next one is Beau Travail. It's on Criterion Collection. Go figure. I'm throwing one at you. A lot of you have already seen this movie. If you're film fans, to be honest, it's a it's a pretty well known art house film out of France. Um, it's all about the French Legion and Algeria um, and sort of just like they're sort of bumbling lives together. Um, this movie centers around sort of a really good looking um, new French legionnaire and his um, relationship with like the head honcho kind of like the two head honchos of this like unit of, of guys out <laughs> in the desert. Um, it is a really beautiful film. It just striking photography. Colors are really incredible. The men are ridiculously good looking. I mean, they're all just like French dudes. Is it who in are, French? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's totally in French. Um, it's just this. It's a, it's a beautiful film. Uh, it's also. It's I mean, that's truly, Italian, that's Italian. Yeah, right, right. It's it's gorgeous. Um, it's also really thrilling because there's a lot of sexual tension that that is happening among all of these men. Um, and you explore that and that's, that's really all that it is. It's just a beautiful film to watch. Anyways, the, the, the last scene of the film is just beyond perfect. And I, I'm not going to say what it is, but if you haven't seen it, I highly encourage you to watch it. It's on Criterion Collection, uh, the Criterion channel. If you subscribe, I talk about Criterion channel all the time. One day they'll sponsor us for something. Maybe, <laughs> probably not. Anyways, it's still fun to talk about. Um, it's a beautiful film. Watch it. Beau travail. My third one was a movie that actually came out in 2020, but because of the pandemic, I think it had only like a oh, yeah, short-lived right. run in the theaters and then went to Who's On in Demand. This? So it's the girl from 13 Reasons Why. From the, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think yeah. of her name right now, but if the main girl from 13 Reasons Why in the first season. Um, this is about a, uh, a senior class okay. that all of a sudden, out of nowhere... They're sitting in class one day, and one of their um, classmates spontaneously explodes. That's right. I, I wanted to see this. Um, right. you, know, you know who loved this? Bo Ransdell loved this. It's uh, well, yeah. it, and he's got good taste because it actually is really a great movie. Yeah, sure. Um, I I don't. The only thing I struggle with is I don't know how to classify it because I did see it on some people's uh, best of horror. It was movies. on. It was on Bo's. I'm best. not sure if I would classify it necessarily as a straight up horror movie. Yeah. Um, it's kind of more like a romantic comedy huh. um, with some like dark humor because uh, it went places I didn't expect it to. That's interesting. Um, but you know, it it honestly, it's like a 90 minute just. I really enjoyed it. It's, it's on my really list. Good. I really, yeah. I really want to see. You that. can find it um, for all you Comcast people out there. You can find it on for free on Epics, which is their kind of solution sure. to. Uh, oh God, what's the one they got rid of? 
One of those uh, stars. It's oh, their, yeah, it's yeah, their yeah. answer to sure. stars okay. because they couldn't get it together with stars for some reason. I don't know. Um, but yeah, spontaneous. I would highly recommend it. I'm into that. Uh, my final one before our final one is Night Stalker, the new documentary on Netflix. Um, it's really good. I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to say a lot about it because it's pretty obvious. It's about Richard Ramirez, the Night Stalker. Great. Um, I didn't know as much of the history that, that they gave me. So that was really interesting to know. I didn't know a lot about the, um, human stories out of it either. So it was, I thought it was really good. What's interesting to me is there's a lot of criticism out there a lot about how graphic this was with the crime scene photos and with huh. this and with that. And I only heard that people like, it, like scared people. Yeah. And like there, I've seen some criticism that like it, um, people think that this might glorify Richard Ramirez too much. All of that is bullshit. I don't know. I don't know how else to say it, to be honest. Like it, he's a serial killer. He did really awful things. Those things got photographed. Sometimes you actually need to look at the shit that has occurred in life. I don't know what else. Sometimes to say. you got to deal with it for real. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm just being honest. I, I I thought it was good. Maybe a little boring here and there. It's it's not. It's nothing like. Um, oh, the other one. Oh, the old boy. <laughs> um, I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone oh, in the okay. dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that was something so different. This one kind of tries to be that a little bit, it, and it doesn't hit the mark. And is this but it's an, still good? Though. Is this produced by Netflix? Yes, it's okay. like a, a okay. Netflix original or whatever they call cool. that now, kind of thing. Interesting. Let's do the last one. Yeah. So we both, in different ways, apparently. Yeah. Well, so so let me, let me tell you <laughs> well, about hold this. On, hold on. We both watched Promising yeah. Young Woman and the so, Carrie Mulligan joint. Yeah. So I got the Focus Feature Screener. It's a link. And it was one of those like, well, you, it's only the one thing. This is all you can only use it. Um, and I thought I would be able to like beam it to my TV. Yeah. That was a no. Uh, so I had to watch it on my phone. Oh, that stinks. It was not, that's why I said like, I thought about stopping about 10 minutes in and being like, should I just rent this? And I didn't, but trust, like I said, you got a much better experience. Yeah. Without a doubt. And you know what? I If you remember back to before pandemic times, yeah. we did a, a segment on the show called like, uh, I forget what we actually call it, but it's where we are like, what's our most looking forward to yeah, movies. Sure. This was we on my this list. One. Yeah. Um, but it got delayed until, until they came, until they decided to put it, it out really on weird. Christmas. It was really, really weird how <laughs> how this was done. I I, I got to be honest, like I I like focus features. And yeah, I like their movies in general. None of this made sense with how they released I know, this it did not make at sense. all. Why you released this only to theaters to begin with? Yeah. Like I, I I look if theaters go down, I'm gonna be sad. Everyone is gonna be sad. I fucking get it. But did everyone just forget there was a pandemic? I know. Like I I don't understand. And and these movie studios and these directors who are just throwing a fit because they can't put it in a fucking theater. You know what? Life sucks right now. Yeah, so for everybody. I don't know what the fuck to tell you besides get the fuck over it and put it on on demand. You're all richer than fucking snot to begin with. So just pay your people. And I don't know what else to say. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm done. Go ahead. Let's <laughs> anyway, talk about the movie. Yeah, the movie. So the movie is good. Promising young woman. I did the. What are they? What are they calling this now? Premiere at home. I think is what they're calling. I don't it. even know. Um, I paid the twenty bucks because I was like, you know what? I wanted to see this movie. I would have gone to yeah. the theater to see it. So you would have spent more. Twenty dollars. Yeah. Um, 
So I had a, kind of two different experiences with this movie. Yeah. Um, the what first experience is when I, you know, first watched it and my expectations going into the movie. Yeah. And because my expectations were not met, at first I was a little let down by the movie. Yeah. But now that I've had time to reflect on actually what I watched, yeah. it's actually a really, really great commentary oh, on, yes. on like men and men culture and like how... And I won't even limit this to straight men. I think this happens in the gay world without too. a fucking doubt. Um, in you know sexual assault and how we blame the victim and how you know the Carrie Mulligan. So just to give you a little bit of an update on what this movie's about, Carrie Mulligan plays a young woman, Cassie. Which I I will say that this was not something that I came up with, but I read. Um, if you think about it, Cassandra, ancient Greek times, uh, she was given the vision, but nobody would believe her. Interesting. Okay. So I think that's huh. a theme in this movie. Nobody believes her. Yeah. Um, so she lives with her parents. She dropped out of med school and she is kind of going Works out at a coffee shop. She's going out at night to pretend to be drunk, to teach men a lesson. That lesson, yeah. we don't really know until a little bit into the movie, uh, but kind of go from there. So that's right. the main plot of the movie. I, after I watched it and after I got over the fact that this was not going to be like the rape, revenge, uh, horror movie, visceral, stabby, stab movie. I've got movie, something to say about that, though. Keep going. If it, once that was not it, and once I got over that, because yeah. at first I was like, oh, that didn't really go where I wanted it to. But after, then like reflecting on it, I was like, actually, it's a lot smarter than a lot of those With, movies. Without a doubt. Yeah. And so for me, like I, I did see some commentary from people that I really respect on Twitter, truly. They might not even listen to this, but whatever. Um, that like they didn't like how the subject was dealt with. I really disagree. Yeah, I, I think that this is the movie that we actually needed right now. Oh yeah. I think that we can have a whole bunch of really dark, down, depressing movies that go deep into the subject, and we can keep doing what we've been doing. Um, and we should do those things. We also need a movie like this that is for me. A revenge fantasy in the end and like could i'm not going to say what happens and it, it's not giving anything away that i'm saying this trust me but like what happens could never happen in real life yeah. we know that there's too many things yeah but like it's wonderful to sit there and watch you know and we are two people that have experienced sexual assault before we know plenty of people in our own lives that have it's extremely angry and it pisses you off I watched this and I got angry and it felt good. Yeah. And when it was over, I thought about people that I know that have done bad shit and haven't had anything happen to them. No repercussions. And I just sat there wishing that what happens in this movie would happen to them. Yeah. Um, so I loved it for that aspect, and I thought it was really smart and really well done. I thought like it even it was like, just good. Even like the script is really good. Yeah, oh, totally. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if you've investigated this at all, but the soundtrack is awesome. The oh, soundtrack is fucking great <laughs> like, too. Um, complete with a Paris Hilton <laughs> song on it. And fucking Jennifer Coolidge is in this, and Molly Shannon is in this. Tons of people. Are I mean, in this. like it's it's really. Oh, what's her face? Tammy Tammy Taylor. What's her fucking Connie Britton? Is Connie in Britton? This. Yeah. I mean, like. It is. It's, it's a, got everybody in it. It's a good movie. Lots of talent. Carrie Mulligan is fantastic in it, and, and she better be up for something. First time director. Yeah, and it's a woman director. too. It's a woman director. Yeah. She's she's an actress, so she this is her first time directing. I loved it. I I and I hope that you love it too. I don't know what else to say. Yeah, about it. no, I I totally agree with you. And like I said in my review, once I got over my own expectations, yeah. I could look back on it and be like, holy shit, that actually subverts 
yeah. everything. Yeah. And you know what? I think that's a good lesson, Andrew, in general for everybody, me included. Like, what if we just left our expectations at the door? Yeah. You know? Totally. Anyway. <laughs> So Anyhow, that will do it for what you've been watching, bitch. We will take a short break and then we'll be diving into our greatest nightmares. Anos. With, the, Anos. with our first movie, Anos. A Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. The kids of Elm Street don't know it yet, but something is coming to get them. There's something out there, isn't there? We just see cuts happen. What did that, Lieutenant? I don't know. There's a coroner got to say. He's in the jaw and puking since he saw it. You're gonna kill me for sure. Did you do it? There was somebody else there. He was locked in a room with a girl who went in alive and came out in a rubber bag. No one knows where it came from or who it will visit next. Nancy? something wrong with you. You're imagining things. Nightmare on Elm Street. Do you believe in the boogeyman? No. Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. And we're back with our first film of the episode, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Part one, though. Um, Andrew... Dreamily tell us about <laughs> I don't know. Just tell us about the movie. Uh one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Teenagers in a small town are dropping like flies, apparently in the grip of mass hysteria causing their suicides. A cop's daughter, Nancy Thompson, traces the cause to child killer Fred Krueger, who was burned alive by angry parents many years before. Krueger now, oh, sorry, Krueger has now come back in the dreams of his killer's children, claiming their lives as his revenge. Nancy and her boyfriend Glenn must devise a plan to lure the monster out of the realm of nightmares and into the real world <laughs> directed and written both by Wes Craven production company was new line cinema. This kind of what put them on the map. Big time. Um, Nancy is played by Heather Langenkamp. Glenn is played by Johnny Depp. Tina is played by Amanda Weiss. Rod is played by Zhu. Is that how you pronounce that? Honestly, I don't know. J.S.U. Garcia. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, is that really his name? But I guess it is. Uh, Nancy's mom is played by Ronnie Blakely. Nancy's dad is played by John Saxon. And their English teacher is Lynn Shay. Yeah. Which is basically the producer's sister. So yeah. That's why uh -huh. she's in this movie. And finally, Freddy Krueger, famously played by Robert England. Rated R, coming in at 91 minutes. This was produced in the USA. It came out the day I was born. Born. Go figure, huh, <laughs> folks? What a dream. It came out in November 16th, 1984. Filming locations included Venice, Santa Monica, and L.A. The budget was $1.8 million, and this sucker in 1984 made $25 million. Which so, is just big a, success. It's gigantic. Think about that. So, Nightmare on Elm Street. Maddie, why don't you tell me a little bit about your history with one Mr. Fred Krueger? And have sure. you seen this before? What's oh, kind of yeah. like, what, yeah. what's your history with the Nightmare on Elm Street? Uh, I have seen, um, I've seen all of them. I have seen the most, part one, part three, um, and that's actually it when I think about it. The other ones were never a huge interest to me, to be honest. Well, we did have a lot about part two. Part two, in, yeah. In we'll, our uh, podcast and we'll, career. Yeah, and we'll talk more about that for sure. But the thing about Nightmare on Elm Street is that I like it, but Freddy's never been my thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, I think folks on the, on the show 
folks who listen to the show know, folks, folks on the show do know, um, my favorite killer is Michael Myers. Okay. So Michael Myers and Freddy Krueger are two very different killers yeah, for in sure. horror yeah. and just different circumstances, all of it, of course. But there's a, there's a quiet reserve to Michael Myers and it's like Jason too, for that matter, um, that Freddy Krueger just does not have because the motherfucker does not shut up. He's sadistic. He's just <laughs> such, he's just like, he, he's sadistic to the point of like just being like a cheese ball. Well, hold on. I would, yep. I do want to limit our conversation to this specific movie. Okay. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, I mean, even, even in this first one though, um, you know, what's interesting is I asked a lot of our listeners on Twitter, what about Freddy Krueger? scares you or scared you or did he ever scare you right like when you were a kid right yeah. and so a very common thing that i saw or that i read actually is that people were scared of freddy when they saw it on the poster or when they when they were in the video store and they saw it on the vhs yeah, or like sense. stuff like that then they watched it and they weren't scared because he he wasn't too scary to them um and i think that was kind of the same thing for me right like nightmare on elm street I think when you're younger and you haven't watched it yet, it's one of those like mountains that you have to climb. Yeah, it's like build up. It's yeah. it's it's all build up and you're like, oh, I'm so scared to watch this. I don't know if I can handle it. Let's just, okay, I'm at my friend's house or I'm not, I've got to finally do it. And like you finally do it and you're like, oh, that wasn't that bad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like <laughs> it's a good story. Um, do I, was I have, have I ever been that scared of it? Not really. Um, but what I really like about the Nightmare on Elm Street films and just talking about this one even right now, um, cause we're talking about three today, remember, is the way that they do explore dreams mm -hmm. and what that really means. Like, especially in part three, we'll talk about this more. It's kind of impossible not to talk about just this one thing though. The dreams of children. I sure. think that's what's at, that's what's at play here. Children and teenagers what they dream about and how they view the world and how they view themselves moving forward in the world as a part of the world. And there is something a lot deeper about that. You yeah, know, I no. mean, it, 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 this, this is a very surface level horror movie, right? You've got a slasher who got burned, he's got crazy scars. He looks very scary and he slashes you with a knife and there's like hot teenagers around. Like it's pretty classic formula, but like if we go a little bit deeper and that's the stuff that I want to talk about more is like, there's there's some interesting shit there, I think. Yeah, for sure. You know sure. what I mean? Um, it's interesting to note that this comes from, you know, Wes Craven's own kind of nightmares. And yeah. He read an article about a uh, a, a person that died in their sleep. Uh, that's and that's kind of what, you know, started his whole journey with A, a Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, my past with this is actually... Um, <laughs> so, funny enough, I actually... The first... Uh, Nightmare on Elm Street movie I saw was New Nightmare because it came really? out. Well, if you think about the age I am, you know. I guess you would have been, what, like 10 when yeah, that came out? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So that was my introduction. and That makes sense. And honestly, so, so the worst way to go into this because they make yeah. so many references to the sure. original that you're like, what does this even it's mean? Just, it's such a meta film. Um, but once I saw that, I actually went to my local Suncoast video, yeah. which I don't know if you remember Suncoast. Oh my God, I used to love going to Suncoast. And I spent all of my money at the time, because yeah. I think it was like $120 to get the whole collection of VHS tapes that, oh, if, wow. that if you lined them up all next to each other, it made an outstretched Freddy 
Do like, you still long, have that? No. Oh, it's God long damn gone. it. I wish you had that. Um, but that was kind of, and then I went back and watched all of, of them. Course. Yeah. Um, and you know, with the original, this is one of those movies. And even up until my most recent watch, which was two days ago, yeah. I like this movie more and more, the more I watch it yeah, and sure. the more I think about it. Because like you said, on the surface level, this is a very run of the mill horror, yeah. horror movie. Yeah. When you start to think about, wait, when is Nancy actually asleep? And when is she actually awake? And you start to like think about the layers. The, the logic of it all is, is tough. Yeah. But yeah. so I'm of the mind. And after hearing, you know, many people talk about this film and um, kind of watching it for myself and dissecting, I think that there is a moment in this movie where Nancy is asleep for the rest of the movie. Yeah, sure. Um, there's a part where um, she keeps getting phone calls and um, she unplugs the phone. I think from that moment on, you mean on she, you mean on the bed? Yeah, she puts the blue phone down on the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. I think from that moment on, she is in some sort of <laughs> either asleep or in between. Also, can I just tell you one thing about that particular scene? <laughs> when bitch pulls out the coffee pot from under the bed, <laughs> I queen crack. <laughs> Like her mom comes in and takes one coffee pot away, and bitch gets up and she's like, "Oh no, you missed this one." She's got a co- she's got a bun, yeah, underneath her bed, turned on, full blast, yeah. Like I, I just we'll talk about it. the specifics of the Keep movie. Keep going. But I'm sorry, but I had to mention. I, that. I think from that scene on, she is asleep for the okay. rest of the movie. No, so I don't does... think I don't think she pulls Freddie out to reality. I okay. think that that's all in a dream. I think that's why she's able to set up all the booby traps so efficiently and she has all of the elements right there at her disposal. Does this fit the theory that cuz I'm I'm not super into this theory. I, yeah. I just don't know a lot about it sure. what I'm trying to say. Is this the precognitive theory that you're going with where it actually, she's like, she's the kid, and the dream, the, this whole thing is the dream. No, I. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm, I'm kind of of the mind that the first half of the movie is, is reality. Real. Okay. Um, and then it's just all Nancy's and then dream. At, after that scene where she, the, the phone is unplugged. Okay. So it can't ring in real life. Right. And she says in one part of the movie, she says, he's using my nightmares to go after, like, my friends. Yeah, I remember that. She says it to her dad. And if you think about it, she is asleep almost during every death. She's asleep during Tina's death. She's asleep during Johnny Depp's death. Sure. She's asleep during... She's in a nightmare state when she sees what happens to Rod, but she's not asleep during Rod. So that's the only one that doesn't really make sense. Let's just keep talking about this. So do you think, or do you even know, because I I don't know a lot about the lore of this, to be honest. Like, do you think or know that Wes Craven did that purposely in the script? Do you think or know that um, he did that in directing purposely? Or do you think he didn't know or do those things on purpose. And it is just like a theory that fans have. I think personally, it's probably just a theory. Okay. I, I don't think that he, uh, that Wes Craven, you know, RIP, that he ever really answered yeah, to those questions. Yeah. We'll talk about that when we talk about New Nightmare, because sure. that was a little tough for me. But yeah. um, I, this is <clears> the <throat> one of the series that I think is the, the you know, I, 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 I can't say that I've ever been truly scared by uh, Freddy Krueger or any of the yeah, Nightmare on sure. Elm Street series. I think this one is the scariest because he's at his most 
non-wacky. Like with the wacky stuff that he does is like yeah. slicing off his finger and yeah. like slicing himself open and yeah. like that kind of stuff. I, I agree with you. There's, there's also, there is an authenticity in the first one yeah. that is missing in every subsequent film after. And, and they just, I, and the, you know, <clears throat> apologizing to anyone that really likes some of the later uh, things in the series. I just think they start to get a little cheaper. I, I, the the word that I would use is cheesy. Like yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, like I, I just hearing Freddie. There's a lot of talk about like you know Robert Englund created this great character, and like Freddie is a classic character, of course. But like what I wish, what I really wish is that there just would have been a little bit of a subtler play. I don't know, like. I do think they do this in the first one. It, well, yeah, in yeah. the first in the yeah. first one, for the most part, yeah, there are there are still some parts where I'm like, come on, yeah. you didn't have to do that. <laughs> but the, from there on, it is tough. Um, yeah, that's really all I have to say. I, I will say there are a few frames in this movie that really did disturb me as a child. Which ones? Um, especially Tina's death. Um, oh, Tina's death is is horrible. T- and that's that's the other part too. Is like. Uh, you know, we've established a lot of it is kind of formula, but like Tina's death is, especially for 1984, I, I was actually, I did try to like, I do, I like to like put myself into the theater at that time and like imagine how I would have reacted. Everyone had to have been fucking like out of their minds, especially crazy watching that happen on Especially screen. considering that the way that the movie is um, outlined for you is that you you kind of are led to believe that Tina is your final girl. Yeah, It's right. your main character. And that's not going to happen. And she gets, she's the first one to <laughs> she's die. She's the first one to die. And she, her being dragged up the wall and across the ceiling all the while, you know. And Rod is just watching it, you know, and like. Th- th- that's the thing too. When you really remember that these are kids, yeah, right. I yeah. mean, like they're they're all incredibly good looking people. You know what I mean? Like Rod jumps out. He's he's in his whitey tighties for God's sake. But you know, you're I watching that as a kid, <laughs> right? But you you know you're watching this ma- this guy who's like a macho. He's the jock, yeah. right? Well, I mean, he, he, Glenn is too. He's but... like the greaser. He's the greaser. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, a better yeah. way to put it. So you're watching the greaser who's like this machismo guy in L.A. Like in his underwear watching his girlfriend that he just had sex with like get tossed around on the ceiling and blood going everywhere and he's powerless to do anything it is it is truly like wild i i what i what i wonder about the about the teenagers being killed in part 1 and i don't know a lot about this maybe you know more but like in part 3 which I, i'm sorry to keep jumping around but it's kind of impossible not to today but this particular thing, I think you'll get it. Part three is a lot of suicides. Well, guess what was happening also? A lot of teen suicides. It's pretty clear like from real life where that inspiration sure. might have come from. In this one, do you know, was was there like a lot of child murders happening around the, that time? Was that part of what Wes Craven was thinking at all? Do you happen to know that? So from my understanding, there was, uh, you know, this is the mid, mid-80s. So yeah. if you remember Satanic Panic, a yeah, lot of like, sure. that kind of stuff yeah. was going around. I do think that there, the reason that Freddy Krueger in this original movie is not labeled as a child molester. Yeah. He's labeled as a child killer. I have heard that. Is because there was a real child molester going around LA at the time. And they thought it would have been too much. And they would have, they thought it was in bad taste. So they yeah. changed it to a child killer. So I do think that there was, and this is kind of the age of that. If you really yeah. think about it, this is like where we started to think right. like, oh, stranger danger and molestation and stuff like that. So yeah, I do think that there is some of that in, in the, uh, 
in the echoes of this movie. And can we talk about that a little bit? Um, I'm one thing that struck me on this viewing, and I really hadn't thought of it before, was Freddie is getting revenge. Yep. On the people that killed, him. murdered him. Yeah. Um, and one thing I thought about because you know Nancy's mom talks about how Nancy's he mom. got. Oh, she's we'll, she's. We'll talk about what, her. What, what a, she's like a Tennessee Williams character. Um, she tells Nancy that the reason why Fred Krueger got let off is because somebody didn't sign a search warrant in the right place. Right. Remember? So like there, we are led to believe that there is a technicality that got him off right. of this case. What we never know, we, we really don't know, even with what we learn in part three, we don't know if Fred Krueger actually did it or not. We never learned that. We, we, we really don't. We, he is, he's murdered by, and I'm not trying to defend Fred Krueger. I'm just trying to say, like, there, it's another angle to think about here. Like, we do in part six. Uh, that's so far down the line. <laughs> in Damn Freddy's it. Dead, there are flashbacks where they do show All right, some, fair enough. Yeah. But at least if, if we're thinking only of part one, right? Yeah. And, it, that's, and that's, if you remember, uh, in, in not to bounce around too yeah. much, but in the modern remake, they do um, toy with that yeah, a little bit sure. where they try right. to make him, is he guilty, is he not type of thing? Because it's, it's a bit of vigilante justice. I yeah. mean, like, you know, the other part too that I, I wrote down in my notes was like, the mom says, I forget how many kids got killed, but she was like dozens or 20. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. She might have even said, had said 20 kids or that's in my head. Um, like this many kids got killed and like nobody knows about the story. Like it's this like secret story. Well, do, you, do you know what I'm trying to say? And, it's like, yeah, well, and I have something to say about that too. There, so there is a common, um, uh, fairy tale song that is saying one, two, Freddy's coming for you. Three, four, all the kids know it. So yeah. you haven't attributed that that maybe is right. what is going on. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, I, I don't know. The, 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 there are those parts that, but once again, let's peel the layers of the onion. It is interesting to think about. I, I wrote that in my notes. Like, is A Nightmare on Elm Street a commentary on vigilante justice? In, oh, yeah. in some ways, it kind of is. You know, this dude, who's, a, who's apparently a terrible person, we don't, well, we don't know for sure, does get beaten out and burned alive by, you know, vigilantes. What if that hadn't happened? Think yeah, about it. Yeah. If you don't burn Freddy alive because the court didn't do it, you know what wouldn't happen later? He wouldn't be killing your children in their dreams. Well, he'd be killing them in real life. Well, not ne <laughs> not necessarily, though. We, we, we don't know. It's certainly not then because he would have been too old to do it. You know, it's another thing, too, is like you I, I'm watching Freddy and I, I wrote down like attributes of Freddy. He's skinny. He like doesn't walk really well he's not strong he's not muscly like he's kind of like an awful killer yeah. in a lot of ways you know what i mean and like i don't know that just got me thinking about it. if he didn't have the dream powers he would be pretty he would be useless. worthless yeah yeah um some of my favorites uh, as i was saying some of the parts that really scared me um when tina is in the body bag and she's calling oh, out yeah. to nancy oh, i think that that's really frightening <laughs> the, the, honestly the, the whole school sequence i think is screw your past so well done um the um Lynn Shea is great. Number yeah. one, she's just ridiculous. You're going to need a hall pass. Um, but on top of it, the kid that gets up to read from Julius Caesar, incredible. Yeah, like really well done. Yeah, that was that was well done. And then the way that his voice like dropped out. And I actually I did watch that on Never Sleep Again because he's on there talking about that particular oh, scene. It was yeah. really interesting. But then moving out to the hallway, seeing her in the body bag, and then seeing the body bag get dragged. Drag, yeah. That whole sequence was 
pristine. Yeah. So well done in horror. Um, uh, uh, the part where she picks up the phone and the uh, tongue. the tongue happens. That I remember when I was a kid, that freaked me out of a lot. Of course it did. Um, Glenn's death really freaked me out as a kid. God, I'll tell you, he what, gets jo- just Johnny Depp is so cute in this movie, too. In his crap top. Like, I, I wish that Johnny Depp could have just stayed that way forever. Yeah, because I don't like him much anymore. Now he's, just a, <laughs> now he's just basically fucking Captain Jack or whatever the fuck it's I will say um, knowing that this was Heather Langenkamp's first big role she does have a couple of line reads that don't that aren't great. Which ones? Um, there's specifically one right after um, Tina dies where they are in, I think, the principal's office. Okay. And Or no, no, not the principal's office. I'm sorry. In the uh, police station. Okay. And the dad comes in and it kind of is like, it's established that the chief of police, police is her dad and that's their, yeah, that the sure. mom and him are split up and blah, blah, blah. And he says, it does, he says something to the effect of like, you don't even think that like, you you don't even know like what, you don't even know how to take death seriously, I think is what he says. Yeah. And she has a line read where she kind of just says, like, how can you say I don't take death seriously? But the way she's just, like, flailing about, like... Yeah. I mean, you could just tell that... And, you know, we'll talk about Heather Langenkamp in general uh, yeah, you know, sure. as we move on. But you can just see that she just gets better as an actress as it kind of keeps going. Sure. And there's also a really serious difference between Nancy and Kristen. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah. part uh-huh. three, and and I'm I'm talking purely about acting right now. Sure, there's a I keep I'm sorry I keep jumping around. Let's just Everyone, finish this one up and then me. we'll do three. Yeah, just <laughs> we'll just yeah I that's it. I love there you go. You say I, something. I love screw your pass. I think that that's screw your great. pass is great. Um, there's a lot of I I like that. And whatever you do, don't don't fall asleep. asleep. Yeah, um, I think Nancy truly does not care for Glenn at all because every time I don't think she does either. I mean like the dude is trying to get his play on and, and she's she like just pushes no, him away every time like no. oh Glenn stop it. And also like not to not to be weird but it's our show we always talk about this kind of thing. Like there is that moment when he is on the bed in like his sweatpants there is a bulge <laughs> there. Like a bulge. And also um I kind of uh. take I kind of take offense to your uh your synopsis because Glenn actually does nothing to help Nancy. Glenn does nothing. I didn't write that. That, that came, I think that came, that one's from Letterboxd. I'm pretty sure. Every time that Nancy help, like asks Glenn to help her in some way, shape or form, he fails miserably. Yeah. I, I feel like we should just hire somebody to write the, um, the, the blurbs for us from now on, because the ones that come from IMDB and then the ones that come from Letterboxd, like sometimes one is good. Sometimes one is bad, but in general, None of them yeah. are great. I'll be honest with you. Clearly, uh, Nancy's mom is blasted throughout the entire movie. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> I love the part. It's 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 she's a, just ridiculous. It's really subtle, and if you don't if you don't know it's there, like a million bucks. <laughs> if you don't know it's there, you don't see it. But there's a part towards the beginning of the movie, right after Tina dies, and um, Nancy's going to go back to school. Yeah. Where if you don't notice it, she pours vodka into her coffee <laughs> mug in the morning. And then when Nancy goes to like pick, Nancy picks it up to go take a drink and she like slowly like grabs it and like pulls <gasps> it away. Like, no, that's not your coffee. That's actually really smart. <laughs> um, some trivia about the movie. Sure. Yeah. Um, this film was shot in 32 days, which is actually kind of a long time if you think about it. Um, Heather Langenkamp's boyfriend at the time of the shooting is credited for the Freddie nursery rhyme. Congratulations. Um, this film made back its budget in opening weekend alone. Not bad for 84. Um, Wes Craven's original concept for Freddy Krueger 
was more gruesome. It was also older, too. He had an older guy in mind for it. Uh, teeth showing up through the flesh over the jaw, pus running from the sores, part of the skull showing through the head, blah, 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 blah. That, of course, changed to be what we know it now. Amanda Weiss was handing out candy at her mom's house on the Halloween following the film's release. So it would have been Halloween 85, I guess. Um, and was surprised to see so many trick-or-treaters dressed as Freddy. She eventually told one of them that she played Tina in the movie, but they didn't believe her. <laughs> in the original script, Freddy's famous red and green sweater was red and yellow, based on the colors worn by Plastic Man, who, like Freddy, could change his form. The idea was that whatever Freddy changed into would be yellow and red. Uh, however, when Wes, Wes Craven read an article in Scientific American in 82 uh, that said the, the two most contrasting colors to the human retina were red and green, he then decided to change the colors. Hmm, interesting. Um, a couple of other things I just wanted to point out really quick. Um, I like how the mom is obsessed with um, with bath death. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's like, hundreds of people die like that a year. <laughs> and even Nancy's like, what? <laughs> no, they don't. Like, I also like how Nancy has a a, a bath pillow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm right? gonna want one of those. I used to. I used to have a bath pillow. Oh, really? <laughs> Well, there was a there was a time when I wanted baths to be a thing for me, and they just aren't. Um, I think the part where she uh, looks at herself in the mirror and she goes, "Oh God, I look twenty years old." I know, <laughs> girl. Like, come on. I wish I had the skin of a twenty year old again. Um, I love the part where she comes home from the long day, and she Nancy's like, "Mother." And her mom just saunters out with a cigarette and a, and the vo- bottle of vodka and is like, and like come on, I'm going to show you something. And also, clearly, that woman has never smoked a cigarette in her life. <laughs> like, she, the, you, you can always tell with people who never have the way that they hold it. It's really funny. Yeah. Um, what do you rate? What do you stripe this movie? So well, uh, we're going to call it that from now on. What do you stripe this movie? I like that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so here on Friday the 13th, if you've never joined us, we go on a seven stripe scale for the seven stripes, stripes of the rainbow. Um, for the original Nightmare on Elm Street, I give this movie a 5.5. I'm going to up my score to 5.0. Nice. I like it. So I guess that that will kind of do it for A Nightmare on Elm Street. I'm sure we could talk about it for another hour if we We really could. But to. guess what? We're going to talk about two more. <laughs> but we have two other movies to discuss. So we will take a quick break and be right back with A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 Dream, Dream Warriors. Warriors. It's 1987. Do you know where Freddy is? There's no waking up from this nightmare. A nightmare on Elm Street, part three, Dream Warriors. Get ready to name your sleep skill, because it's time for A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Maddie, why don't you give us a plot synopsis and a little summary about the cast? If you think you're ready for Freddy, think again. It's been many years since we've seen Freddy Krueger. Now, Nancy's all grown up, and she's putting her frightening nightmares behind her, helping teens cope with their bad dreams. Too bad, Freddy's decided to herald his return by invading those same kids' dreams and scaring them into committing suicide. 
A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, was directed by Chuck Russell, written by Wes Craven, Bruce Wagner, and Frank Darabont. Uh, the production company, again, was New Line Cinema. That will be the case for all of them, actually. Uh, Nancy was played by, guess who? Heather Langenkamp. Neil Gordon was played by Craig Wasson. Kristen Parker, none other than Patricia Arquette. King Cade was played by Ken Sagos. Do you know how that's pronounced at the end? I don't. I think it's just Sagos. Um, Joey, played by Rodney Eastman. Taryn, played by Jennifer Rubin. Philip, played by Bradley Gregg. Cute little Will, played by Ira Hyden. Max, played by Lawrence fucking Fishburne. Lieutenant Thompson, Nancy's dad, returns as John Saxon. And Fred Krueger, again, played by Robert Englund. Uh, Dream Warriors was rated R. Uh, it's 96 minutes long. USA came out February 27th, 1987, three years after the first. Filmed in Los Angeles, budget of $4.5 million, cumulative worldwide gross of $44 million. So no wonder they kept making this movie. <laughs> well, I mean, without a doubt, they're, they're absolute money makers. So Dream Warriors, um, I know that for a lot of people, this is kind of the peak of the series. I know a lot of people really love Dream Warriors. Yeah. Um, I, I really like Dream Warriors. It's a, it's, a, it's a great movie. I think that Dream Warriors is the most, and, and saying this in the weirdest way, but it's the most fun. Like, it just kind of goes, and it just... And it, and what I really appreciate, honestly, about all three of our movies today is that they just start. Like, they, there's not, I agree with you. There's not, like, yeah. a ton that you have to, like, wait on. Like, it just gets going right away. Um, so we meet Kristen. She is an insomniac um, and eats coffee and dra- <laughs> drinks Diet Coke. <laughs> and she, and when, we, when we meet her... She's yes. making a paper mache house. Yes, that's true. Um, and uh, she's trying to stay awake for an unknown reason at this point that we don't know. Um, her mom comes home. Uh, it is obvious that Kristen comes from money. So she yeah. has like a, a rich heritage. Um, and her mom, who loves to say Andale, which I Andale. <laughs> haven't heard in forever. But also <laughs> like, well, keep going. I keep interrupting. Keep going. Um, she is then has a Freddy nightmare where the faucets come alive, which I think actually yeah. think is a really good effect when it kind of grabs her yeah like the the handle does mm-hmm. and then um her mom wakes her up and it looks like a suicide attempt so she is committed to the local um an insane asylum yeah um where a plague of children a plague of children a group of children what did you just say <laughs> children Everyone, are a plague <laughs> from now on we are referring to groups of children in more than three as a plague of children a murder of crows a plague of children. I approve of this messaging. We're going to make that t-shirt too. Yeah. Um, so she is committed. By the way, we love children. Keep going. <laughs> um, she's committed to the insane asylum where there are a lot of other children who are experiencing yeah. the same types of nightmares, same types of suicidal tendencies as right. seen by adults. Yeah. You know, we learn later that it is indeed that they are the last of the Elm Street children and that Freddy Krueger is still coming after them. Right. Um, we also learn uh, of a new character. Dr. Gordon is introduced yeah. along with his sidekick, the awful <laughs> doctor, the old lady, the old lady doctor. And um, they recruit Nancy, who is now a grad student, if yep. I remember correctly, right. um, to Some come, hot shot out of Harvard to come and kind of investigate what's going on here. Um, I think it's, it is kind of funny that they're like, Oh, she's from the same town as where all this happened <laughs> right. and all this stuff happened to her in her life, but whatever. Um, so she comes back to be a consultant and subsequently they 
figure out that it is Freddy Krueger indeed. And they start to think, well, how can we use our dreams to fight back? Right. Um, and so they, you know, go through the skill drill and the everyone kid, has the their kids have to learn powers and everything. And, you know, it ensues. So, Maddie, what do you think about Dream Warriors? Dream Warriors is good. Um, where it's not good. It suffers in the soundtrack. Okay. The soundtrack is full of synth stuff that is not surprising for 87. Everyone yeah, yeah. knows this. It wouldn't have affected you back then. Today, watching it, it is definitely just a dating feature of the film. And it doesn't match that authenticity that we find within part one. That's just that's just how it is. Yeah, I don't think that they use the original um, score to, to its benefit as they did Agreed. in the original. Agreed, yeah. yeah. So, you know, that's a problem. But other than that, though, not a whole lot else. Like, when you dig down into this, like I, I was saying in the previous discussion, Patricia Arquette is fantastic for how young she is. Yeah. She she takes this role. She's got a great scream. <laughs> yeah, she's got a great scream. But she takes the role with a real ferocity and reality. She doesn't um, give in to cheesiness. She is always present on screen. You can see that, like, she and the other kid actors, for that matter, not kid, but, like, young actors. Yeah. They all kind of do it. They all really committed to their roles for this. For sure. Um, I especially really like Taryn. I, Taryn's great. I've got a good bit of trivia about her, too, later. Um, Jennifer Rubin. Um, she was great. Philip is great. Will is great. Joey is great. Joey's so cute. Little Philip's sweet, cute Joey. I just got to say... His death is awful. Even to this Thank day, God. that death I have it makes me squirm. Watching those veins come out of his arm, that is tough. It's really tough. Yeah, but- the, 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 that is the one death, though, that I do have a problem with because it's – so he's dreaming that this is yeah. happening. But in real life, he is sleepwalking. But he walks through a wall. Yeah, I know. The, 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 <laughs> the logic of Nightmare on Elm Street – Wavers. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, it, it really doesn't. It's – you know, it's – it is what it is. I, I, I do think what's interesting, though, about part three also to talk about is that it introduces faith and theology, and it gives a theological basis for why Freddy is able to do what he does, which is his remains have not been buried. And it also gives him a little bit of a mythos. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. And, and those all go together. With Amanda Kruger. Um, but you know what's, yeah, right, with, with his mother, um, who is the nun, and Sister she's kind of a ghost Mary nun. Helen? Mary, Mary Helena. Mary yeah, Helena. Mary Helena, yeah, yeah. Um, it, I just thought that was an interesting angle. I mean, it, 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 it's not surprising, I think, to find that also in 87. There were other films at the time that were kind of, you know, touching capitalizing on, on capitalizing yeah, yeah. on religious kind of like, what do we do with this kind of thing? Um, you know, it does, does it do religion smart? No. <laughs> is it is it is it you know looking at a deep theological look at what this could be? No, but does it work and give you an idea of why Freddy, like I said before, can do what he does and why this stuff is happening? Yeah, sure. Which I think is helpful um, because it, it creates something more paranormal than we got in part one. Sure. Or, I mean, we're not really talking about part two, but also part two, which is a whole other bag of beans animal <laughs> that's a whole other animal um so i think those parts are really interesting I, I i do think that john saxon's performance could have been better in this to be honest yeah he's like, not in it a whole ton but... it's he's not in a, he's not in it a lot but you know it, it's hard to play drunk i know that he doesn't do it well yeah in an actor of his caliber you would expect him to be able right to. yeah and people who are just sort of like but like oh why is my daughter coming to see me <laughs> like 
enough. I like, did like that. Um, not to skip ahead too much, but when he yeah. keeps trying to get away, like he yeah. was, like, he's also, trying to find the keys. That bar. That's got to be the same bar that they use in part two for the leather bar, um, just with different dressing. It's called Little Nemo. It looks it looks exactly the same. Which well, Jake's bar is the bar from part two, which you see in Dream Warriors. The um, yeah, the neon. Yeah, for yeah, it. yeah. Oh my gosh, I never even put that yeah, together. Yeah, right. Oh, awesome. Um, but like, I think that it's the same like set, just dressed differently. Sure. I was thinking about that. That the makes whole time. sense. Anyways, I was yeah. just thinking about it. Keep going. Um, I think that it's funny that. <laughs> And I don't, I, I cannot remember in subsequent sequels if they start to do this again, but yep. it opens with a quote from Edgar Allan Poe. Which is misattributed. Oh, it is? Yeah, people are not actually sure that he that he said that, but it doesn't really matter. It's, it's a sleep, those little slices of death, how I loathe them by Edgar Allan Poe. Um, I think uh, this one definitely is where the series takes a turn for yeah. kind of more of like goofy um uh, Freddy Krueger. Mm, he's yeah. still he's still a little scary because yep. he can turn into that little fucking puppet and he can turn oh, it's awful. Like there is that a lot of parts snake thing. Yeah. Ugh. There's a lot of parts where he's still really scary, but right. this also introduces kind of the one liners. Yeah. Um welcome to prime time bitch. Right. Like those kind of things, like let's get high, like that kind of stuff. <laughs> just so, I mean it's just so stupid. Yeah. It, and that's where it kind of like after this right. Freddy is kind of the goofball, yes. the killer that he eventually turns into. I don't know if you noticed this on Joey or not. Did you notice that he had a teardrop tattoo? I yeah, I wrote I wrote it down. Um, and then it just disappears. Not also not a, not a surprise. You know, I I think teen suicide around this time was being blamed on a lot of things. A lot of suicides were happening. Like, it's not a surprise. I keep saying it's not a surprise, but it's not a surprise to any of us that it was weaved into this story sure. about children. Um, the, the tear on the eye would indicate to me that Joey was part of a gang. But it goes away. Does it go away? Like yeah, that? it's only in one scene. Why did they do that? I then? don't know. <laughs> no idea. I mean, if, I mean, if people don't know, the iconography of, of, of it's like you killed somebody. a tear tattoo yeah. on, of, is that you killed somebody. Um, I think there's other meanings too, like if it's hollow or if it's filled in or whatever, but he definitely has one. It's clear. I wrote it down. And then it goes away. Um, which, I mean, really just indicates like, I mean, he's a troubled kid. Yeah. Right? yeah, yeah. I mean, like, and he's, Wrong side of he's, the tracks. Yeah. And he has mutism. He can't talk, that kind of stuff. Um, Joey's so cute, though. I kept thinking that. I was like, God, you're such a little cutie. Jeez, oh, Pete. <laughs> I did have a thought to myself that, um, so so is he going to, is he going to have come and Get him, bitch, scars on him for the rest of his life. I thought the same thing, too. I was like, that's just so much. Yeah. It's those things that don't... I mean, I, I get it. It happens. And back then, we just didn't think about so it. So for those of you that have not seen this movie in a while, uh, Joey is kind of the one that is abducted and held at Freddy's uh, captive. Lair or whatever. And um, to signal to Heather that... Or to signal to Nancy that you need to come in here to the dream and come get him. Because Nancy's on the side of his, of his actual hospital bed saying, let him go he literally cuts into his torso come and get him (laughs) it's it's a lot when it happens um Um, i really enjoy the other kids though like yeah i think kincaid is um i mean first off it's a more diverse movie number for sure there's hey there's black people and not just one of them um i mean lawrence fishburne is in this for god's sake and uh say i don't know how to pronounce his last name but i think it's sagos ken sagos um, who's great. Kincaid is a wonderful character. Like, yeah. He's an angry kid who doesn't know how to deal, I with mean, his obviously, anger. with yeah. his anger because he can't fucking go to sleep. Um, and, and 
it's really fun to watch him like become strong in his dreams. That's like his yeah. his power. And I love watching um, little Will in the wheelchair who get to beco- stand up. Yeah, who become like in my dream. He's the first one to say in my dream. I'm, I'm a wizard I'm, master. It, well, he first says, I think, in my dream, my legs are strong. Oh, yeah. I can stand up. And like it makes me kind of like choke up right now thinking about it. And this is what I'm talking about is these movies are are so much more than just about Freddy. Yeah. It's yeah, about yeah. like kids and what they believe about themselves and what they can do. I, I, that's what Dream Warriors does best is it empowers them to fight back. Yeah. Unfortunately, it only empowers I know it's, it's just, it doesn't work the whole way. It's just, it's it, this movie is really sad to me because like you, it is, it's terribly sad. Like uh, with a lot of these movies and, you know, slashers in general, you don't necessarily care that much about some of the characters in this one. We get so much, um, what is the word I'm looking for? So much like friend energy, like, yeah. like they're a group and they're all trying to work together and they're yeah. all trying to help each other that when they just get killed off, and nobody knows that they got killed yeah, off. Right. It's kind of sad. It's very and I sad. Expect, it's certainly very sad for Taryn and Will, especially yeah. because, you know, they go into the dream to go get Joey. That's, yeah. They've all banded together and said, we're all going to go get Joey. And they get um, separated in the dream. Yeah. And they get taken out one by one. Only Taryn and Will, or Taryn and Will get yeah. taken out one by one right. um, to kind of their own worst enemies like Taryn's death is is really sad and you know Taryn's backstory is that she had some issues with drugs in the past um, specifically probably heroin yeah Um, and uh, Freddie corners her she actually does a really good job of fighting back at first yeah but then once he changes his knives into needles she's you know triggered right back to where she was and he essentially doses her up and to he, like kill her. When she looks down at her arms too, her track marks. Oh God, return. that part freaks me out so it's, much. It's terrifying. <laughs> uh, suckling. Sores. Oh, it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a really sad death. Um, it's really I, sad I just death. don't think that she gets enough attention to be honest. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll just say that while we're talking about it, I'll just say it right now. Jennifer Rubin has heard from many fans that her performance has helped them overcome uh, drug addiction. I did really like that. They included that scene where the, um, kind of greaseball security guy or whatever you want to call him uh, offers her the keys to go to the like uh, dispensary. Yes. And she's like, I don't do that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I just thought that that was a smart thing to include. Yeah. I mean, it was very real. It was very real. Um, Like I said before, the Freddy puppet freaks me. Oh, for sure. The, the big worm. Um, the worm is the worst. Also, can we talk about Jaja Gabor in this movie? Hold on one second. Um, just talking about the worm really quick. That's actually one of my favorite parts is where Kristen brings Nancy into her dream yeah. and she kind of falls back into that chair yeah. and just falls through the chair. I just always have really liked that part. What is the girl's name who gets, who gets killed in the TV? I didn't write it down on the cast. I totally forgot. I don't remember. I can't remember. Anyways, when that girl is watching the interview with Zsa Zsa Gabor, Gabor, and like, I forgot, I actually forgot about that, this part. And when I saw Zsa on the, the, the titles coming in to the movie, I was like, oh my God, yes. I like how she's like in the main credits. Uh, She's like like in it for like two minutes. I mean, she's Zsa Gabor. How could you not? Like, I mean, they're paying top dollar to get Zsa Gabor for a 20 second appearance. Like, put her in the credits. (laughs) My favorite part with Kincaid is uh, where... Kruger, pussy! (laughs) No, my favorite part is where the nurse is like, mandatory sedation starts tonight. And he's like, fuck you, Will! (laughs) Yes, right. (laughs) Um, He's amazing. Um, Also, I just really love... 
there's a sweetness with Joey that I just love. I've already said, which I think he's really cute, but there's that. And then Will, there's something about Will too that I just really love. Well, and their relationship too, where they right. like kind of stay awake for each other. Yes, yeah. totally. It's it's beautiful. It's endearing. And it's totally yeah. endearing. And just, I don't know, Will saying, in my dream, I'm strong, that really just sticks with me yeah. every single time. Um, the one part that really got me this time is where um, Nancy and Dr. Gordon have been removed from the hospital. They've been yeah. fired. They're like, go away. And um, Kristen is being dragged off to be put into solitary confinement, right. um, to be drugged, to go to sleep. Yeah. And she turns to the the doctor, the evil witch bitch, uh, and she says, you stupid bitch, you're killing us. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, wow. that, hits, yeah. that hits tough. Because they don't know. They're trying to tell everyone, really like, interesting this is what's happening about. to us, and yeah. then nobody will listen. Nobody listens. That's And that's the moral of the story. I mean, well, that, that and we see it with Nancy throughout too like nobody listens nobody to believes what's going nobody believes what children are saying yeah and what if we did so towards the end of the movie we learn that um freddie's bones must be consecrated in um hollowed ground so Dr. i gotta have holy water thrown on them <laughs> and that's another thing that i put in my notes i was like so you, can you just go and take holy water <laughs> i mean you could go into a church and just take it it's, it's right there but like I like how the priest, the priest confronts him and he's like, here, you, can have, you, my, you can have my driver's license. I know, right? <laughs> like, you know, th- th- those are the parts that, you know, I don't think there was a lot of thought put into that, yeah. to be honest, but like, whatever. I do love how, uh, when the, bo- when Freddie senses that his bones are in trouble, he comes back as like Jason and the Argonauts, like skeleton. I know. <laughs> like and, at, and at the and end, he, when, he, when he cheers, <laughs> I wrote that down. I was like, why the fuck did they do that? The other part of it, though, that I wrote down about that whole sequence is, why didn't you just bury him? Yeah, like, I know. Literally, why would you hide evidence of your crime in the trunk of a car and, in a junkyard? And I call a little bit of bullshit on him having the glove because right. Nancy's mom had the glove exactly. in part one. <laughs> so like, th- th- those are the parts of it that don't make a whole lot of sense yeah. to me, but I get it it's for the story, <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, Anything else about Dream Warrior? Well, and then at the very end, um, because John Saxon's character, Nancy's father, is skewered onto the <laughs> scrap of a car, is the best yes. way I can put it, um, he comes into their dream and says he's passed on. Uh, that was also a little much. Well, the thing about it is I was like, did we need... Maybe maybe Heather Langenkamp didn't want to come back for subsequent sequels, so she requested yeah, this. Yeah, sure. Um, but it doesn't make a whole lot of sense that we just vanquished Freddy... But then he comes back as John Saxon's reincarnated and kills. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, but we learn that you know Heather Langenkamp's I mean, it is what it is. Nancy is dead. It's yeah. Nancy's time on this journey is right. over. Yeah. Um, I, I did have in my notes too when she first shows up, she looks like forty five, like the way <laughs> no, that they style her. Totally <laughs> right. It's and only that, like six years later. And that like you know that lovely uh, suit that she's wearing, yeah. that business suit. <laughs> Um, I was a little disappointed that they didn't go anywhere with her and Dr. Gordon's kind of like romantic relationship because they kind of allude to it, but I'm they kinda, never like go I'm kind of glad that they didn't. Oh, I kind of wanted it. Like, it just makes her death a little more tragic. Yeah, I guess. sure. But I, I think it's kind of, I think it's actually kind of, hmm, when we really think about this, it's almost like bold that they didn't do that back yeah. then. You know? True. Um, That's a choice. And, you know, during her funeral, we do learn that the nun that has been helping Dr. Gordon <gasps> all along is Who actually is really? the ghost of Freddy Krueger's 
mom, Amanda. Who, who had been gang raped in a very awful way. Yeah, the story of that is where a it's girl gruesome. gets trapped in yeah, the. It's absolutely gruesome. So he's the. What do they call him? He's the son of a the thousand. The bastard maniacs. son of a thousand That's right. murderers or something yeah. like that. Um, but yeah, I think that that kind of does it for Dream Warriors. I, I like Kristen, would also like some gymnastics powers. Yeah, girl, but... please. <laughs> um, I, I stripe this five also. Okay, so you gave it the same as the first one? Same. I'm just slightly lower on this yeah. one, just because I think that this movie's more fun, and it's rewatchable sure. more than the first one, but I still think the first one's a better movie overall. Yeah, I see that. Um, so I gave it a, f- wait. You gave it, it a five. I gave it a five. Sorry, yeah. you changed your score. So. I did, yeah. <laughs> I gave it a five. Yeah, I, was, I realized I was, a, I was a little too low on these. Okay, so that's, that's part three. Yeah. We're going to come back with film three in just a moment, Whew. talking about Wes Craven's new nightmare. Now I remember why we don't do three movies anymore. It's a lot, girls. <laughs> so, Heather, we're approaching the 10th anniversary of this whole Nightmare on Elm Street thing. I mean, is Freddy really dead? Look, Heather, let me cut to the chase. How would you like to join us in the definitive nightmare? I thought you killed Freddy off. I guess evil never dies, right? Can you come with me in my dreams? I think that only happens in the movies. As far as Dylan trying to reach God. Your son is apparently terrified of a man. One, two, Dylan. You have to fight it. Whatever it is that's after you. We're back with our final film. It's three of three, folks. And this is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. Andrew, tell us about it. This time, the terror doesn't stop at the screen. In this meta-horror film, a demonic entity uses the fictional character of Freddy Krueger to enter the real world and torment Elm Street heroine Heather Langenkamp, her family, and the cast and crew of the original film. Directed by Wes Craven, written by Wes Craven, produced by New Line Cinema. Again? (laughs) Heather Langenkamp as herself. Dylan is played by Miko Hughes. Chuck is played by Matt Winston. Terry is played by Rob LaBelle. Chase is played by David Newsom. Wes Craven is himself. Robert England is himself. Sam Rubin is himself. And as a fun little cameo, Lynn Shay plays the nurse. Oh. Uh, rated R. This one's the longest in the series, coming in at 112 minutes. Uh, it was produced in the USA. Came out on October 14th, 1994. So almost exactly, almost exactly yeah, 10 years later. Just shy of it. Um, filmed in Los Angeles with a budget of $8 million and a cumulative worldwide gross was $19 million. So I think you can kind of see from yeah. the um, ebb and flow low of freddy krueger that people maybe were a little done with yeah sure that elm street series i mean which makes sense it was 10 years going on yeah like and they and much like the uh friday the 13th movies were kind of coming out 
every year. Yeah. Like, so. I well, mean, and also, too, like, I mean, the movies had changed. In 93, we had Jurassic Park. Yeah. You know, I mean, and around 94, I'm pretty sure we had, like, I mean, Schindler's List wasn't too far after that, or it might have been even before that. I mean, and so, like Twister. Yeah, Twister. I mean, like, things had really changed in film. And, I'm not sure how much people beyond horror fans really wanted to keep seeing Freddy Krueger. And honestly, it's really unfortunate because this is actually one of my favorites of the series. Yeah. Um, I think that this, if you look at it, it's kind of, um, if we didn't get this, I don't think we would have gotten Scream out of Wes Craven. That makes sense. Because it does have a lot of things that you kind of see, oh, that's what he took into Scream. It it also has the same atmosphere as Scream. It it has that, I mean, it's of course a lot older, but it has the same feel feel to it. Well, it's not that much older. When did Scream come out? 94, 96, 96, 96. So, I mean, only two years later, that makes perfect sense. Um, So, just to give a little plot synopsis, this follows the real-life character of Heather Lang. I don't know if character is the right word. The real-life person that is Heather Langkamp, who played Nancy Thompson. Um, It's following her in her real life and kind of 10 years out of A Nightmare on Elm Street. She's living in Los Angeles. Her husband is a special effects director. Director, um, and she's kind of just trying to live her life. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of, she kind of eclipsed with Nightmare on Elm Street in the series. She hasn't really worked a whole ton since, but she has a child now, so she's focused her ways on that. Dylan. And she's kind of being dragged back into the Nightmare on Elm Street universe because yeah. Wes Craven has had a new nightmare and he wants her to reprise her role as Nancy to fight Freddy one yeah. last time. Right. That's right, right. kind of the synopsis yeah. of the movie. And it, it's sort of like a, what gets written down is what is what plays in reality. Yeah. It's it's actually a little bit, if you think about it, too, we wouldn't have had In the Mouth of Madness if we didn't have this movie either, I don't think. Oh, you don't think? I, I don't think so, because I, I think In the Mouth of Madness relies on that same sort of like... Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen that movie. The same sort of, I guess, MacGuffin is the word I want to use, I guess. Or the same sort of device, right? Like... What gets written in the Sutter Kane books is what happens in real life. And it's the same kind of thing here, too. Like, she discovers the script, she reads the script, and that's what happens right then. And she sure. has to, like, find her way through it. Um, and I love In the Mouth of Madness, too. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I think New Nightmare is really good. I think it's, I mean, I just keep saying accolades. It's well done. Yeah. Like, I think Heather Langenkamp does a pretty good job in this. I think this is her strongest acting. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Um, what's the the babysitter's name? Julie. I Julie. Love Julie. And what who what is the actor's name? I didn't write that down for some fucking reason. And she's introduced in this who movie. Who the fuck too. is she? I'd have to look it up. I, I, actually, yeah. keep talking. I'm going to look it up right now. Actually, I can't believe I didn't Julie write that down. Julie is actually one of my favorite characters in this movie. Well, she's an actress that we all know, too. She was, yeah, she went on to play uh, in many things, but she was also the mom in the Scream series for the yes. t- first two seasons, which is interesting. Interesting because Wes Craven scream the da 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 right da, da. exactly yeah. Um, what I really like about this movie is that they know that they are making their references and they make it very well known. Like Tracy Middendorf, yeah. And um, the beginning of the movie is literally a modern interpretation of the beginning yeah. of the first one. Right, right, right. And then we reveal that it's on a movie set um, and that the new claw ha- goes haywire because it has the nerve endings of a Doberman in it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and kills everybody. Oh, wait, it's a dream. Nancy's dreaming again. Um, there's also a theme of earthquakes in this movie that take place. Yeah. Um, 
how and big ones. How I kind of interpret the earthquakes is it's how Freddy is getting closer and closer and closer and more powerful. And those are kind of why the earthquakes keep getting yeah. ho- like bigger and harder. Um, I like that there's a, one of my favorite scenes actually is the talk show scene because the guy will not give her any time to answer any of the questions. He just keeps like firing right. questions at her with that ridiculous audience yeah. too. <laughs> um, and then what I really appreciate about this movie and I'm, I really appreciate Wes Craven for doing this is that everyone, for, everyone for the most part plays themselves, which I think is a yeah. really interesting concept. Sure. Um, it's not just the cast either. It's also like the crew. So yeah. like Wes Craven, um, it's Bob Shea, right. like all these guys, they're playing their, themselves. Which, yeah. And you know, Bo- Bob Shea's great in it too. <laughs> he really is. Um, yeah. And, you know, Nancy's getting, or not Nancy anymore, sorry, Heather yeah. is getting all of these threatening phone calls. She's getting um, letters in the mail. Um, she's very harassed. Um, and that kind of... This movie is really hard to explain because yeah. there's so much going on sure. that the filmmakers are in on and the audience isn't is until, in until the end. Exactly. Yeah. So right. it's it's a little tough to like describe. Did, did you know that that Wes Craven was thinking about asking Johnny Depp to do it? But he never, I did read. But that. he yeah, never yeah. asked him. Yeah. And Johnny said, "Like I would have done it if you would have asked me." Well, Johnny Depp shows up in um, Freddy's Dead, so I wouldn't right. have done Wes Craven. Well, and like I I do wonder like how New Nightmare would have been different if. Johnny Depp would have if, been. If, like, Glenn or Johnny Depp would have been a part of it. Would well, have, it would have been interesting. I don't know if you noticed, but in the funeral scene, there is a couple of uh, cast members from other movies. I did notice that. So Rod yeah. was there. Yeah. Um, uh, Tuesday Night, who is in uh, part four, okay. was there at the funeral. So there's, like, a couple of little cameos sure. in that, which I think are fun. This is just, like, to me, it's like Wes Craven's swan song about, yeah. like, I'm letting go of this franchise in the way that I want to it's, because so many people took it away from me and sure. did what they did to it. It's super creative. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's an artist at work. It's not my favorite um, Freddy Krueger look, I will say. He looks a little rubbery to me in this movie. I, but... I, I wonder if that was a real choice, though. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, sort of to kind of blur those lines between movie reality and reality. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that would that, that would kind of make sense to me. Um, but yeah, I think it's a really effective sequel, or I don't even know if we want to call it a sequel. It's like a meta sequel in a yeah, lot of ways. Yeah. It, it works way better than the other ones that we've talked about before. Um, it works way better than part two, which you and I have a lot of experience with talking to Mark Patton. Um, God, back in 2019 yeah. was that? Um, and really kind of delving into part two and and thinking about that. I, I also kind of wonder, like, I wonder if Wes did think at all about about bringing in anybody from part two. Yeah, I don't know. To, to this, like... It's kind of seen as the bastard stepchild of the franchise, oh, I think, pa- pa- so. Part two, you know, we we have a kinship to it because we, it was really fun for us to, to work with when, when it came to Scream Queen and everything else. But in general, part two just doesn't really... It's fine. It doesn't. It doesn't work all that well. Yeah, really. It's, it's just a totally different. Thing. It's just very different. Yeah. yeah, and it's unfortunate because there's such great people in it. I mean, you know, Mark is great in it. But blah, yeah. blah, blah. Anyways, back to New Nightmare. Um, some I think that all of the deaths in this are really well done. Yeah, I, agree I with you. love that. I, I put in my notes when um, the dad is driving back from Palm Springs and he's kind of having those moments where he's like, he's kind of dozing off Love at the Palm wheel. Springs. Um, the dozing off at the wheel scene, we've all done that. Like that, I've that is it. like, that is, that is yeah. portrayed 
accurately. Yeah, like, I've definitely done that. Before. Like you roll down the window, you try to turn on the radio. You do whatever like, you possibly can to stay awake, and you just can't. And I, I think it's like when he like flicks his like the the his crotch. Yeah, I'm like, oh, this is a '94 movie. Like, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I mean, it is a big deal. I mean, like, it's it is going to the bulge. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, let's get like film school about it, right? It is going straight to like where the male power is, yeah, and like showing how actual like how vulnerable it really is you know what i mean yeah, like no it makes a lot of sense yeah i mean and how does that especially in 94 like you know how many guys were watching that i mean we were probably thinking Cringing. the same thing yeah. like oh my god if there was a knife by my balls how would i feel right. you know like that's part of it um and also uh julie uh the babysitter who's along for the ride is kind of the um advocate for our yeah. our younger guy because Na- Na- heather langenkamp's running around town trying to dude god knows what she's always in her car going somewhere um in a limo yeah uh the part at the playground always kind of gets me yeah. uh where he uh what is the name of the little boy i'm blanking on his dylan. name dylan dylan um he is at the playground and he climbs up to the top and he reaches out for god and he falls off and is caught by heather but that's, um, a, that's a scary little scene there he looks up to heather and he said god wouldn't take me <gasps> And I was like, oh, that's really sad. What did you think about Miko Hughes' performance? I, I think Miko Hughes is great in this. I know a lot of people are a little uh, wacky about his portrayal. But, um, I mean, he was the quintessential kid of, like, the late 80s, early I mean, 90s. Pet Cemetery. Like, like, yeah. he's, he's an icon for I that. I definitely got some PTSD from him trying to cross that freeway. From... Um, you know what, too? Uh, Miko Hughes has not really done anything else i know as far as like no actor and that's it in his life i mean I, I honestly hope he's okay i did look at a couple of photos i was telling you this earlier i did look at a couple of photos he's a very short person um <laughs> i do think it's funny though in that um freeway scene i was like don't you think anyone would be reporting a floating child on the yeah. freeway <laughs> that's, i mean <laughs> even even for la that's a bit of a stretch yeah, you know what i mean um what so this was the first freddy film that you saw yeah it was actually right? And do you remember how you felt after watching it? I remember not really getting it the first time I watched yeah. it. I was like, I don't really understand. Which makes sense. And now that I look back, I'm like, duh. Like it's yeah. the, the worst one to start with. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think all the meta stuff is done really well in this. I think it's funny that they bring back like Lynn Shay in a very like. I love Lynn Shay. Nurse. She's just like a nurse. Shaking there. those pills yeah. right there. <laughs> She's such a fucking weirdo. I love her. There's some good sequences. I love when um, the head doctor is kind of. Uh, Heather has fallen asleep. Yeah. We don't know she's asleep. Right. But Miko is kind of having a fit. And the doctor comes in and she's like, I'm just going to have to open him up. And then I it like know. transforms into Freddy. I thought that's really well done. Ugh. Her band of evil nurses. I think it's hilarious. It's a lot. <laughs> because they all think that like Heather Langenkamp apparently is like mom of zero because they all think that they either she's molesting or abusing right. or keeping him up or like whatever which, which you could understand right yeah they take it a little far though so for you too i know when wes craven died that was a lot and this this that had to bring sad. that back up yeah. talk a little bit about that yeah just seeing wes craven again i mean it just brings back i don't know i i grew up in the shadow of Wes Craven. Like that's what nightmare on Elm street, the scream series, those were like the staples. So, you know, when he died a couple years ago, it was really sad. And then just to see him so young and vibrant in this movie, it was like, Oh man, 
We've got to do screen soon. Yeah, we got to wait. We'll work it in. Somehow. We're we're gonna so, figure that out. If if anyone has ideas of how you want us to do it, let us know. But we got to do scream too. Yeah, there's a part in where she's talking to Bob Shay, and he says, "Well, um, she says to Bob Shay." Oh, that means Wes is dreaming again. Yeah. And Bob Shea says, Well, he seems really excited about it. And she's like, The dreams? And he was like, No, the script. Yeah. I was like, Oh, that's kind of clever it was. the way that they did that. I loved seeing his old ass computer too in yeah. his office. It was actually <laughs> yeah. kinda it was actually kinda fun to see. It's like the green, the green. Oh type. yeah. Yeah. Um, the only part of this movie that I'm not like 100 on is yeah. like the end sequence where they go into like the Tell Freddy me why. world. Um, it's just so of that time. I mean, I get it. There's like, I don't know if you notice this, but when she initially falls into the world, yeah. there's like a dragon or like a pterodactyl or something. Like, like why? <laughs> I mean, that's, that, that like is a literal holdover from Jurassic Park the year yeah, before. So, And the whole tongue thing. The and, tongue thing is a lot. There's, if, if I'm being honest, there's too many tongues <laughs> in Nightmare on Elm Street, period. There's a lot of tongue. There's long tongues, there's short tongues. There's spitting tongues. There's tongues in the phone, there's split tongues, there's spitting tongues. Enough of the tongue. <laughs> you know? Um, I will say that this there is a part in this movie where I legit did jump and Which I kind of forgot. It's when she is experiencing the earthquake and then she sees that her coffee maker that was on the bedside table is now in the closet. And she's looking in the closet and it he basically like separates the clothes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He goes, sure. "Miss me," and that part, like, I was that, like, oh. that is a jumping moment. <laughs> it made me jump. Um, but I, I just think that there's a little bit of a lack of um, fandom for this one, and I can't yeah. really understand why. I, I think it fits so well into the. It's such a good period yeah. for the sentence. For I'm the not series. sure. I'm not sure why it why it dips down. I don't know. Um, I really don't know. Hi, dog. Um, it, it, it's, it's a, it is a, like I said before, if there's anything about this movie that is, that if you take away one really great thing, is that it is just super creative. Yeah. Especially for the time. Yeah, like I sure. said, it's, it's Wes Craven as an artist at work, and there's something really beautiful about that. And I think the way that you put it is, is great. It's, it's the period at the end of the sentence. It's, just, it's how he wanted this to end. Yeah. Um, that's pretty <clears throat> lovely, I think. Um, I did notice a couple of things. Uh, the she's reading all these different um, medical books to see like yeah. what's wrong with her. her did son. you see the one on AIDS? That was what I was going to point out. Yeah. The, the JAMA article of the year is about AIDS. Like so, that very was, topical of the time. Yeah, right. Oh, maybe hey, maybe it's AIDS. <laughs> Could be. Well, no, I think that that was just so. JAMA always puts out those books yeah. every year. The Journal of the American Medical Association. Yeah, and so that's kind of like their their story of the year, right? And sure. so at this time sense. in 1994, AIDS makes a lot. Sense. And actually, in '94, I believe that that was the the highest year for deaths in, oh, the, wow. in the AIDS crisis. I'm fairly sure. Hmm. Might have been '95. We do get a resurrection of "Screw Your Past," which I yeah. think is awesome. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I like how there's all these things in there where he's like, "Almost there, Heather," and never sleep again. <laughs> when Heather uh, threw up, it was a combination of clam chowder <gasps> and bean soup, <gasps> which. <laughs> Makes me like I like clam chowder, but that makes me want and you know, to fucking vomit. And you know it was cold too. Oh, so <laughs> fucking gross. Robert Englund has also said that this is his favorite movie of the entire series. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, and I think I understand that too. I mean, he has such a close connection to all of those people. I think everything that you just talked about is probably exactly how he feels too. Yeah, and we get an echo back to Tina's death with yeah. the death of Julie. Um, I do like that line where. Um, 
Freddy Krueger kind of goes up to Dylan and he goes, Hey Dylan, ever play Skin the Cat? And he yeah. like does that little thing. I was like And once again horrific. Yeah. The part the part where she is reaching out to Dylan and she's yeah. like, Help me. I know. And Dylan's like, Julie. It's that sad. part gets me. It's really sad. Because we have a great moment with Julie where she is tricked into thinking that the the nurse is going to give him a sleep shot. And she's yeah. like, No, Heather told me like no shots, like right. nothing until she comes back. And it's all a ruse because the other nurse has the actual syringe right. and she sticks Dylan with it. And then we have a moment where she kind of is uh pitting against the other yeah. nurse and she's like well, you know what was in that syringe. You don't know what's in this syringe and what will happen to you. And I thought that was really good. There's also a really great part. It's where um, Nancy comes back. Sorry, Heather comes back. And she is sees that there's blood all over the, the yeah. room. And the one nurse is like, you can't go in there. And she kind of just like elbows her. I mean, no. And I was like, yes, go girl. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think. I think that the reveal that the movie is within the movie is really smartly done because there's a part where John Saxon has been enlisted to help her find Dylan because he's escaped the hospital. And just subtly, you hear him take a a change where he all of a sudden is calling her Nancy. And then she kind of, after a couple times, she notices it. She calls him out on it. She's like, why are you calling me Nancy? But then he says... Why are you calling me dad? Uh Or why are you calling me John? Exactly. And you have like a twist where you're like, oh, this is... We're in yeah. the movie that we're making. It's very strange. Yeah. I'll, I'll be really honest too. Like when that part of the movie hit last night when I was watching this again, um, is when my edible hit too. So <laughs> perfect. It was actually kind of like perfect timing. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. I like the echo back to Hansel and Gretel with yeah. the breadcrumbs, even though in the book of Hansel and Gretel, the breadcrumbs get eaten by the birds. So that's it why happens. they get lost in the woods. You know, but... gr- it's looking grim out there. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like the the sleeping pills thing. I think yeah. that's really well done, even though I was like, is she going to overdose on sleeping pills? Right. That's a lot of sleeping pills. That's a, that's a lot. And you can die from those? <laughs> yeah. I, I do like the um, how like the the way to get to Freddy's lair, whether it's in the coffin at the funeral scene yeah. or at the end of the bed at the end of the movie, how it's kind of like a a slide down was really yeah, interestingly sure. done. Um, I, I just really appreciate that. The, the, the whole funeral scene is terrifying. Well done, yeah, and it's well done. Where he kind of is coming out of the coffin and he's like, stay with me, Heather. Yeah. Stay. I'm like, <laughs> no. That's a lot. <laughs> Um, I would have died uh, in this movie because I'm not going to touch that snake that Dylan moves. Hell no. No, thank you. I did think it was funny that they put a little bit of the psycho music in when he's trying to stab the tongue. It's like, which is, I mean, it's also like great that in 94, by the end of all of the stuff that they could do that and wrap in more of those things. And I don't know if you noticed this, but the, the meta-ness, it goes into even the credits where Freddy Krueger is listed as playing himself. I did I like, did not notice that. So that's pretty that. cool. <laughs> also, like I said, though, I was pretty high by the end of the movie. Not going to lie. So uh, I think that kind of does it for New Nightmare. I think we talked about some interesting stuff. Um, that was a really fun progression to talk about. It. Yeah. I, this, in my opinion, if you want to watch A Nightmare on Elm Street, I think that this is a great way to truncate yeah. but also get a full story totally with the Nancy series. I mean, we can go into the, um, Oh God, who does Chris, we can go into the Kristen series yeah, or the sure. Alice yeah. series. Um, but those didn't ever intrigue me as much as Nancy's. this one does it right. Yeah. And watching these three didn't make me angry. Yeah, That's good. Like it just like, it felt like a, a good experience watching these three together. Yeah. 
Um, and if you've never done that before, folks, you should. Yeah, it's it fun. works really well. Watch yeah. one, three, and New Nightmare. New Nightmare. So, what do you give New Nightmare out of uh, Seven Stripes? Kept it a five. Five for each one. I bumped it up uh, to a five point five. I enjoyed this one just as much as the original. Yeah, so, good. I yeah. think that makes total sense. But yeah, I think that that closes the book Ugh. on our trilogy of movies. That was for this that episode. was fun. Yeah, it that was, was fun. It was good. We're gonna come back. We're gonna play and we're a gonna game. do another game, a themed game, a themed game, <laughs> and we're gonna close out the show. So it's time, folks. Hit that sigh for the final run. With our final game, Nightmare on My Street, how would Freddy use our fears to kill us? What would our sleep skill be? Andrew, what do you think? Yeah, I've given this some thought, considering I don't leave my house anymore. <laughs> uh, right. Uh, he's really limited in his options. But I really do think that he would probably trap me on my Peloton and just make me pedal till my, for my death. My God, that's, actually, that is so horrific. <laughs> Jesus. Like, your legs would fall off or something. Just shit. think that he's going to use my Peloton against me for sure. Um, would that be your biggest fear, though, that you, you think he would use against you? Well, I think he's using my fear of being obese against yeah. me. Sure, so. <laughs> I get that. You know, it's that was where my head was going too. I was like, he would like make fun of me. Yeah, and he, he he would make me feel bad about my body. I think that he would probably like try to do it so bad that he would like make me like jump out of a window or something. Yeah. So maybe he would use like a childhood bully or like something like that and get me really scared that way, and that would be terrifying. Or I can imagine he would just put you in that um, swim school speedo. That oh my god. <laughs> Oh, oh my god but it would be really tight like i would i would burst from the speedo yeah. oh my god it's awful jesus it's terrible or what do you think your sleep skill would be ah uh, sleep oh that's a good honestly i didn't think about it until right now what would my sleep skill be my sleep skill would have to probably be talking him to death <laughs> that's, that, that's what it would be i would just like confuse the fuck out of him and he'd be like Huh? And then he would just leave. <laughs> I think, yeah, mine is probably like a smart Alec. Like, yeah, <laughs> totally. we have the same one. That's basically it. <laughs> but, anyways, that was fun. That brings us to the end of episode 48. What a fun episode. It this was. was. I had a good time with this one. Folks, as always, we just want to call out some things for you to consider. First off, we're proud uh, members of Legion Podcast. So check out Legion Podcast if you have not yet. You can go to any podcast. Thing, thing you know what i mean and look up legion podcast Pod, great podcatcher exactly well. there's a lot of other podcasts that are on there you can also call our hotline at 872-208-3119 you only have one more episode to get your voicemails in because we're gonna listen one. to them on episode 50 just when and you, once again you can say whatever the fuck you want to say uh, we also have merch at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash Friday 13. Wow. There are t-shirts, bags, masks, everything you can Everything think you of. want. It's so. cool. You get stuff with our logo on it. And there's also a limited run of Sukadeek 
merchandise that you want. If you are a member of Sukadeek, you gotta have it, man. We are also on Patreon. Patreon.com slash Friday 13. You can pay us to watch movies. <laughs> you can pay as little as $1 to be a patron. Um, that's $12 a year. Yeah, for I sure. I want you to think about that. That's, that's very little. For how much we give you, please. Yeah. And, back. and once again, as you know, Andrew and I never put content behind a paywall, and every dime that you give us goes right back into the show. Yeah, and you can find us on social media. Obviously, uh, search for us on Facebook, and we are at Friday 13 on Instagram, and the other one, Twitter. Twitter, yeah, <laughs> the Twitter one. Um, uh, I just got to say, yeah. you know, this is a new year, 2021. You know, we've already had one episode this year, but uh, we got some great things coming up for you guys. We do. And some really exciting news we hope will continue to come down the line. Yeah, so, so. really look forward to um, some big developments coming soon because we're really excited about the future of Friday the 13th. And not just for us, but for all of us in the community that we built. And it's still a tough time out there. We, we have said it nearly this entire pandemic. But you got to take care of yourself. So right now, that pit, that feeling that you have in the pit of your stomach that you want to go hook up with somebody or go to that bar or go to that party that you know you shouldn't go to, please don't do it. Listen to your guts. Listen to us right just now. For, just for a little bit longer. Just like, please hold out because we're, we got to get through it and I don't want you to die. We're so close. Don't so, die. So close. That's, that's my advice. And, Anyways. And as always, we encourage you to get, get slayed. slayed.